0: ir sensors sometimes we launch a decoy attack simply to draw the other side's laser fire they usually can't resist and light up like a christmas tree force commander kirk amon griffins 3058 you're listening to wolfnet radio the show that rides shotgun all the way to gen con and never needs to stop i'll be your host this evening matthew Two spendy bloodbath barons Co host tonight, as always, Andrew, they are hefty. Minnow crawl.
1: Was I talking about myself? Good evening, guys.
0: <laughs> evening. Kind of hefty. And Aaron, those don't look cheap. Coat crawl. I don't remember. Well,
2: yeah, everything looks cheap to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Joining us later will be uh, Charles Gideon Dirks. But that being said, Thomas works for me. Silent Sea, Raven Kruger. Uh, Watch out for those speed traps. Speed traps are (laughs) dangerous. And special guest tonight, CGL, returning guest, Aaron Cahill, assistant line developer. Welcome back. Hello. And Ray Arastia, line developer. Welcome back.
3: Good to be back.
0: Brent Evans, art director. Welcome back. And making his Wolfnet debut, author, developer, knower of things, and keeper of secrets, Randall Bills. Welcome.
4: I, oh, I am very glad to be here. Dude, I like Hi, that title. Randall. You should keep
5: that title. That's a good title. <laughs>
4: <Keeper> of... <laughs> wasn't slow. Knower
0: of things.
4: things.
2: Knower of, of, of
0: things. things of, secrets. of secrets.
4: I was going to say, someday there will be a title, a, a single, like, two-word title that will actually encapsulate all the titles, but... We haven't found it yet. It'll take like I mean, an eight foot two by four.
1: <laughs> you probably got to make those two words up.
4: Well, uh, very German. Just keep cramming more and more words together until you have a new word.
6: <laughs>
4: a nobody man, wants, wants to pronounce it. it. my
7: hand. In... It'll come yeah. out in German first. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to wait like 20 nice. years. To the well it.
2: played. Well played. played. (laughs) So I'm going to give a preference to our audience tonight because we have nine members on right now, (laughs) or eight so far. We will have nine. So there is a wealth of knowledge in this room, Brent Evans excluded, but we are going to try (laughs) to keep this thing as smooth and as audible as possible. But you know the Wolfnet Radio podcast, so you know what you're getting into, so... We're just going to do what we do and see how it goes. So, once again, thanks for everybody joining us tonight. Um, This is our 50th episode. 50. Been four years, I think.
4: Close to. Yep. Close to. A lot. A lot. That's awesome. That's that's incredible, guys.
2: Congrats, fellas. We're we're not quite as good as a certain podcast with 100,000 downloads, but they also have like 200 episodes, so. (laughs) <laughs> which are a lot shorter they're a lot shorter. yeah they're definitely shorter and also this is gonna be a long one folks so hopefully you're either listening into the car or i don't know if you got a lot of shitty ass traffic to go through <laughs> this one could go for cast. a while
0: hour for hour this is the bunker buster podcast uh, tonight we got uh, Kickstarter production questions as well as Battletech Universe questions and individual opinionated questions. So hopefully we'll get started with a few things. Uh, since we have a new guest,
2: ah, tradition.
0: would you like to uh, share some information about how you got started into Battletech, Randall?
4: Oh, huh. um, <clears throat> so trying to do this without taking a half hour. Sorry, that's okay. Uh, if we go, go for half an it. hour.
1: Do a half an hour.
4: <laughs> we'll then we'll you answer questions. So, no, well, I guess the question is: Do you mean just started to play the game? Do you mean actually getting to the point where I'm working on it? Because you know that's a much longer story.
2: Or how did you first get into BattleTech?
4: The the first getting into BattleTech's pretty easy because it was, you know, I remember being. 7 or 8 and my brother somehow managed to convince my mother to let me stay uh, get up super early to watch oh what, what uh Starship Yamato and G-Force so that was kind of yeah. like my first my first introduction into that and then uh you know of course I found Voltron and that's amazing And then right at my freshman year, I discovered Robotech. And just, like, we had, of course, VCR time for us ancient people. So I recorded every last episode, and I just watched it over and over and over again. And so then I'm going down to a game store in the mall, and I see the fox's teeth. Now, the mech on fox's teeth is weird enough that... Even to this day, I'm not exactly sure what it is, <laughs> but it it still was like, you know, giant robot, right? And I'm like, oh, that looks amazing. I wonder what that is. And then like the very next week, went to another game store, and there was a second edition box set. And I'm like freaking out because I'm like, hey, look, it's an Excalibur, and it's got the SDF symbol right on the leg. And I don't know why they're calling it Battletech, but this is obviously <laughs> Robotech, so I'm in, right? Um, now, you know, I'm like four, uh, 15 at the time. And so like, I literally had to save up my, uh, newspaper route money to be able to afford the 20 bucks to buy. And it was really funny because Chad and Tony, who were pretty much two of my longest friends and we still talk to each other almost every month, at least every other month, they biked down there with me and we got it and we got back. And sprinted through the rules as fast as we could, and like I get in, I think it was like a Battle Master, and Chad gets in a Warhammer, and we literally just march up next to each other and just stand next to each other and fire. And Tony's in a Marauder, and he's all kind of freaked out that like we're just so big, and so he's out at like beyond PPC range, just plinking with his AC5 the whole game. Uh, it was just hilarious. <laughs> uh but it but it literally was like, you know, we just it all looked cool and we played it one time and read that rule book with the sidebars that talked about the universe, the mercenaries. That was it. You and know?
0: did you have well. a favorite unit, mech, or and a, a favorite
4: factory? Um so early on, and uh, actually this, I, I'm not even sure Ray knows this, because I'm always poking fun at him for Davian. <laughs> Initially, it actually was Davian, like the first couple of months. And then I learned the error of my ways and became a diehard Combine fan. <laughs> uh, and then that Max, a that's, a, that's a really hard one. I probably would have to go with the Banshee 3S. And there's there's two reasons for that. Well, there's three reasons. One, it literally is just one of the best designs in 3025. Certainly in the assault class, it's just a beast of a design. Beefy. And then two, I actually won a painting contest at a local con with that mech. A terrible paint job, but uh, at the time I won. But really, the 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 thing that made that so special because it actually was the one of the first stepping stones towards that, is for anyone who remembers the Battle Technology magazine from way back in the day, uh, when the four Succession Wars came out, and again, so I, I'm geeky enough that I'm a member of MechForce, and I'm getting the newsletters that are publishing in between the release of Stackpole's Warrior Trilogy, and it cool. would tell you, Oh, in Operation Rat Wave Two, here's the next worlds. And I would literally go to my map on my wall and make up the next wave of pins in different colors and oh, put them up there so we could track. And then we'd be playing games tracking like that, right? So the Battle Technology War issue came out and it was, it asked anyone to write into them and say, Where were you when the Four Succession Wars began? So I totally wrote up my mercenary unit, and I said that we had snuck in and grabbed a prototype 3S off of uh, I think it was Sticks, and I put it in there. And like a year goes by because you know back when you there was no such thing as instant anything, and I'm at a local convention, uh, Hexagon, and I'm walking through and I pick up the latest issue of battle technology and I'm flicking through there and there's my little fiction letter. And I'm just stopping dead in the hall oh. holding this thing, which of course I, if you really, if somebody really wants, I can tell you which one it's in. It's terribly written, but it didn't <laughs> matter. Cause it was like the first thing that I did and it was published. And I thought, man, I, I wonder if I can actually do this. Right. And so that just was that first little toe in the direction of leading. So I, I mean, I was always destined for this. I think it just, I I love this so much and I love doing it and I love the universe and, and I was lost the moment I played. I I blame Jordan all the time for it.
0: (laughs) So if, if there are some young writers out there, even kids, what would you tell them
4: about maybe writing their first? Just, just, just write. And it's going to be crap and that's totally fine. (laughs) You know, I I, I think, uh, I think Stackpole Set up best a million years ago. You know, he has people that come up to him and say, how, how do I know when I'm a writer? And his comment always is like, are you writing? That's how you know you're a writer. It doesn't matter if you've published. It doesn't matter what you've done. Are you writing You're a writer? Are you making games? You're a game designer. And the, and the first giant pile of them are going to be terrible. And that's totally fine because you're not going to get better without writing all the crap. So, you know, dive in. Do it. Right. I on. like
2: painting.
0: Absolutely. Paint, paint, how, paint.
2: Uh, how, how are
1: you guys, do you guys have anything to do, caveat off of that, with shrapnel? I mean, obviously that is, I, I, I love it in that it gives people the opportunity to uh, get writing. Are you guys involved with any of that? And are you guys seeing, you know, an uptick in how good is the writing that you're seeing and, and how is feedback going?
4: I'm gonna let Ray or Aaron run with that one. Uh, yeah,
3: we're we're involved. Um, we uh, once once uh, Phil Phil runs the whole thing. Once he gets the mission, he'll run that past us. And if there's anything that that stands out, um, I'll request you know that we can review it first. Um, and then once everything is put together, we look over everything. Besides that. Um, and I are constantly talking about some things that we'd like to see. So besides submissions, there's, you know, targeted pieces, assigned pieces that we put in there to, to keep, you know, some of the main or underlying story points moving. Um, and, but we have been seeing a lot of submissions, a lot of new writers and, uh, you know, we're, we're pretty happy with the, with, with the response to the magazine and, and, you know, the influx of, of new writers. Um, and some of those people have already been sort of bubbling up through the company and uh, other
4: work that we've uh, given them. I'm actually kind of bummed that I really, really want to get a short story in a shrapnel because it just, it is the spiritual, you know, successor of Val technology and I just cannot find the time to do it. So hopefully one of these days.
2: As long as you keep it going. (laughs) <laughs> I think <laughs> I think they're doing well enough, so hopefully uh, Well, hopefully we're, that stays we're, on the...
4: we're hitting number ten and I believe it's gonna be a nice big fat double issue when there is no end in sight. It's doing yep. very well. A fatty.
1: Getting yeah. so, nuggets that already that will be in the sense that'll be
7: available for Gen Con.
4: Um th- that, that the, I highly the, doubt.
7: It runs uh, on the September every three months. They're, yeah. they're pretty standardized publication. Okay. Yeah, it's March. And, and John may get,
4: and John may, John or Phil may get mad at me for spilling that, but you know, hey, that's okay.
2: <laughs> Blame it on us. That's what
0: we're we'll getting
4: over it. That's right. No, uh, we're all going to get over it just fine.
0: <laughs> all right. So, um, uh, the Kickstarter. What can we expect in a new Kickstarter?
4: <laughs> wow, that is an open ended question. <laughs>
0: So, so we're, we're going to run with a
5: full line of new dice and T-shirts, 150 designs of T-shirts. Yes. yes.
4: Oh, that, I, I'm, I'm done. I'm just gone.
6: <laughs> yeah, that really hurts.
4: Let's, uh,
2: let's narrow uh, it down so to – st- First of all, I, I was, Yeah, go ahead. No, we'll, nar- we'll narrow it down. We'll narrow it down to uh, – let's start with the Alpha Strike box set.
4: So that actually has nothing at all to do with our next Kickstarter.
2: Oh, sorry that's the this is the mercenaries Kickstarter correct I want I want more egg. I want more golden eggs
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah the the, the the alpha just to clarify alpha strike box set we are flying copies in uh, about 200 copies into gencon uh, they are finit. they are they are finishing up uh, the rest of uh, collation and packaging which will be done by the end of August so fingers crossed. You know, right around November, good Christmas presents they'll be leaping they, out on store shelves everywhere. Are,
1: are they on track to be delivered Thursday?
4: Uh, yes, actually, I believe they've already been delivered. Oh, so they're, they're actually ahead of they're actually ahead of time. Ahead good. of schedule. So. good to hear. Good to hear.
2: It will that's, be awesome to see the Gen Con crowd. Literally crowding together to get to the CGL booth first.
8: <laughs> yeah, it is uh,
4: it's definitely been a white whale product and and there will definitely be some emotions from many people holding that in our hands. So
0: all we've heard is find us some, find us some. <laughs> I I
1: think I could buy all of them and we'd be able to get them <laughs> handed out through the wolf <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, it it, it <laughs> is it is it is literally the second largest print run we have ever done. So we are we've kind of it was a lot of wrangling and heartache over how many are we printing, and we went pretty deep on this. So, first, please be... by, by <laughs> well, uh, maybe... uh, the way, it was the 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 last printing of a game of armored combat was the big uh, one. The sixth printing. Uh, it, well, they're both tied. Ah, ooh, very cool. Um, so, so yes, back please. To... You know, bye.
1: <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know if you know that or not, but we're kind of Alpha Strike geeks, so we're really looking forward to it. Oh
5: yeah. <laughs> um, well, Ray so... is Mister Alpha Strike, and he's clearly a bulbing, cu- bubbling cauldron of excitement over there. So maybe we should let <laughs> us well, him.
0: We, we've seen that. We've seen that at the game shops
3: when he's playing. <laughs> I mean, I've had a video. Take video of people rushing that Alpha Strike mountain and, and demolishing it, <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. Send that to certain detractors. <laughs> yeah. So well, I know, I know when... the. Go ahead.
2: I know the security guys. You, you have some pretty uh, beefy security guys that you have at the, the entrance there. So.
4: We do actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's all, uh, Noah. I was gonna say so, Noah. He, had no, he, he had a it, Noah shout out. <laughs> he can do it all by himself.
0: So he even <laughs> looks like a Jade Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's yeah. much more Ghost Bear. Good. That's good. Well, to
2: hear. Uh, specifically on the on the Kickstarter of the Mercenaries, uh, my first question is: Is how many of are, are there are all the miniatures uh, new positions? Of of the previous, because I think well they're all new, aren't they? All the mini models are new.
3: Ever, are all new miniatures. They're not reposes or variants.
4: Correct. So we just just to clarify, I think what you're saying, we did a series of exclusive force packs. So like the Wolstergen force pack, and then we have four more of them: uh, the Hanson's Rough Riders, a Light Horse uh and one other one that's...
2: Great, great uh, uh
4: Yeah, that are coming out at the end of this year. We actually have some more that will be planned for the end of next year. And those are one brand new one, and then new variants, new poses, the jumping, and so on. But when it comes to the Mercenaries Kickstarter, yes, it is all completely brand new designs that haven't been redesigned or put into plastic yet.
0: That's
2: awesome. Where did the... uh, Was it always um, a thing in the Mercenaries Kickstarter to include the vehicles?
4: Yes. I don't know if it was a slam dunk, yes. But it was a pretty strong, pretty early on that we just had to have vehicles. You know, as much as mechs are the kings of the battlefield, (laughs) uh, vehicles just... They bring that wonderful sense of the mechs are big and powerful. So we just really had to have that.
5: To be clear, between those of us behind the curtain, we knew we wanted it, but we had what was not um, uh, an automatic thing is that we had to convince uh, Lauren that that was the direction we wanted this to go. Uh, and I'm not saying well, that that was a hard thing. It was you know, like you know no, we quickly yeah, wrapped, wrapped he, our head he, around it.
4: Yeah, he's he's not trying yeah. to say Lauren was being a stick in the mud or anything. It just yeah, was, no, not at all, not at all. He, was, here is why we should do vehicles, and we put our pitch together and you know won them over. Now the okay. pain of deciding which vehicles should go in so tough, <laughs> so tough. That was crazy long discussions. <laughs> Over and, over and over and over and over and over and over and again. <laughs>
6: we can
5: actually go amazing. into a little bit of that because that's not you know the decisions are made and the teaser you like we're not teasing anything that isn't known or anything. So we can actually yeah, talk yeah. about the process of going through that. Let's do that. Um it, So it's funny, each of us like when when you're you guys will understand this because you're in exactly the same boat. When you are so emotionally attached to something, and then you have to make hard decisions about it. <laughs> And you know it's kind of a group decision. You're like, oh, okay. So everybody realized we had to do it. We're like, oh, all right, we're not going to do it right now. We'll, we'll do it next Tuesday or next Monday or whenever our battle Battletech meeting was. We'll, we'll do it at the next meeting. And, of course, we all get off, and I'm like, I can't make my brain turn off. So I'm, like, typing away. <laughs> I'm going through all the TROs. And, and I think within a half an hour, I said, okay, so I've got the 1.0 list for you guys to choose from. Like, we bashed this thing out. Before we even talked about it, We we all knew how we wanted to go, but – it, the toughest things was, um, at least to my recollection, and, and I would love to hear Ray's side of this because obviously we all had a lot of emotional to going into this. But, um, like, I got into the miniatures games, plural, when mechs clicks happened. And I will never forget year one where they show up for the world tournaments and there's not a mech on the table. Because vehicles ah. just completely took over the game. The the rule mechanics were so so swayed um, that you would look down the line and you like they had these rows of tables with people facing off, and you could just see every single battlefield. And if you saw out of ten games, if you saw two mechs, that was an anomaly.
0: It was so unbalanced um,
5: because they were so unbalanced in gameplay. Because vehicles wow, in that game didn't have to deal with heat. <clears throat> That's and in
3: Battletech, <laughs>
5: so you have to balance the nuance of like, okay, you know, you want, you know, it's just like the movie Top Gun. It's it's not about the planes, it's about the pilots, but the planes have a point, you know. And, you know, like with Maverick, <laughs> if it was, you know, look at the, how great the anti-aircraft missiles are, then that's going to really rob the importance of the planes.
6: <laughs> so same thing
7: here is I didn't want to,
5: you know, we we really didn't want to break Battletech and make it mech tech, or I mean a uh,
7: tank what? tech. Randall may be able to speak to this, but I'm um, giving know the same similar thing happened with the card game. That when yes. Oh, field, it oh hard, yes, I uh, it, it destabilized the entire environment of that card game. Yeah,
4: and we uh, luckily anyone who's at Watsy is gone, so I can totally talk trash about them. Uh, Brian, <laughs> Brian, Brian and Brian and I, we told them in no uncertain terms that Arsenal was going to break the TCG because it, it just did. made mechs irrelevant. And that's exactly what happened. And you can trace the death. I mean, there was many factors, but that was one of the primary factors that really did the TCG in, is that Arsenal expansion.
0: Things like entrenched holdings and vehicle up, upgrades. Of like well,
4: You could... like uh, I... I built just an artillery deck that yep. was almost unbeatable. Uh, unbeatable. It just all had those, artillery
0: in it. <laughs> yeah, all those mechan those those mechanisms just turned into lists, just like missiles or ECM yep. or it's great.
2: That's yep. good we, stuff. Uh, we have some firsthand knowledge of that uh, with our own little creation. We we've had some problems with some hovercraft and battle armor being paired together, and it it just completely like you said it dominated the battlefield where mechs were like an afterthought it was people went straight to what battle armor and which hovercraft can i pair together and that just became ridiculous so yep. it agreed BattleTech is all about the mechs but um in our experience it is a lot of fun to incorporate a lot of combined arms in our games which i'm we're super happy that vehicles are getting some love um inner sphere battle armor
4: there the inner sphere standard battle armor will appear in the mercenaries kickstarter yes awesome awesome
2: because you guys knocked it out of the park with the elementals i love those things those are
4: oh no those and and they were painful like yeah (laughs)
2: Yeah, how many revisions 14 revisions
5: like serious overhaul redesigns of those over and over and over and over
4: well and that's just on the illustrations like That was one of the longest processes on the illustration side. And it was hands down the most difficult on the production side. We had to go through like two and three uh, prototypes just at the beginning to get it to a point that it looked as good as we wanted it to to be. So, yeah, we're really happy with how that turned out. But, man, those were painful. And we're really
0: glad you took that much time to do that because that, that furthers the production success. So are we. Yeah, I,
1: yep. I'll, say, I'll say from, you know, I, I made this comment after Kerensky Um Getting a chance to spend three days with these guys. And while we were there, um, I, I was at lunch with Brent and, and, and Ray. And they're passing a phone back and forth about line art and images for the Shogun. And start having. <laughs> An argument at the table about how <laughs> this is supposed to look and how that doesn't look right, or you're crazy. It, it well, needs to go that way.
4: And, no, that you know, doesn't I got, sound like us.
1: <laughs> and I got home and I, I made the comment that you know we are just living in your guys's world. Um, people just they don't understand how much you guys put into everything that you do i'm i've been fortunate enough to be able to spend time with you guys and i get to see just the passion and the energy that you guys have on just the minor things that happen um
6: a lot of humorous note with that aaron Andrew, you're gonna
1: laugh yes 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 brent what well, would you down. like to know <laughs>
5: <laughs> God damn it. Sorry. That's where it started. Right it's, there. It's him. That's it's him. his fault. No, it, the funny it thing is, um, no joke. Last week, yeah. Anthony was submitting the final 3D model for the Shogun, and I asked him for an additional revision.
6: Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> yeah,
3: like literally no,
5: that discussion you <laughs> at launch at Kerensky con still going
0: on. <laughs>
5: wow well, it's, every it's, little detail. So, uh,
3: Keep so smoothing,
0: the th- keep smoothing the rough edges. So a really <laughs> actually, funny thing exactly about
4: a funny thing about some of that is that, like some of the mechs, we actually every now and then a mech will come through where Anthony's team will present the sketch to us, and we're staring at it and we're like, oh my gosh, it's perfect. Like there's just almost nothing to change. It's just so ridiculously good. Uh, the like the the uh, the uh, the night sky, the new night sky that's coming out in the Kelhounds pack, Ooh. is just such an amazing update that I don't think there was a single change to make. Then there's mechs that come in and you're like, ah, oh, let's tweak this little thing, let's tweak this <laughs> little thing. A good chunk of them fall in that category, and then there are some that just we all lock heads over terribly. And eventually, sometimes some of the compromises are well. We actually have to get this thing moving, so I am finally going to relent. But I get it on the next one, right? Like we actually give a little bit of we give a little bit of karma in the in the column of the next time there's a giant loggerhead's.
1: What was the worst one
4: so far? What's been the worst one? No, that wasn't the worst one.
0: Is that where like no, people don't come I, back I, to the table? I guess like come on back to the table. Come on. We'll 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 talk. No.
5: I, yes. I, there's many times where we have to step away and leave the table. Oh no, there
4: there's times where well and there's times when there's such a loggerheads that you just got to let a week or two go by with no one talking about it, right? Uh, yeah. I I personally yeah. I personally remember the crusader being one of the Ooh. uh yeah. just knockdown down drag out there were just total intractability on parts of it. Um, uh, again, admittedly, I a think... big
5: part of that was me because I fell in love with the, that Robotech version with the squared arms.
4: I just couldn't get it out of my head.
8: So yeah, yeah so there's, there, fault, there, there, there's been there there's been some. a
4: couple of those, but but again, I think I think at the end of the day, somehow there's a just a certain magic sauce that has been created with brent ray anthony and i all bashing on them from very different (laughs) perspectives and very different points uh and it just uh, out the other end comes this amazing stuff and and when i get people like i think my favorite comment all these years later was when we for you know god five six years ago now we came out and released the original warhammer illustration and the mini like right at Gen Con, right? And we had people immediately like, oh my gosh, you're going to get so sued because it's just like the original, right? And I'm like, well, never mind the fact that we did in fact get sued, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but their, their, their comment would be, you know, it looks just like it. And I'm like, no, it actually doesn't. Yeah, Don't think about what's in your head actually go open the original illustration and show them side by side. And you will see that almost every single rivet and curvature was touched in some aspect. And they would do that. And then they would come back and they're like, you know, what's amazing is somehow I had turned it into my head. Yeah. This is what I had in my head. This is what I had in my head. And you guys reached in my head and pulled out this war hammer. Yeah. And that's when I knew. That's when I knew that we were onto something special.
0: That's that predisposition, negative bias that they were carrying, and you had to show them the light
4: that it's new,
0: it's different.
4: It's well, awesome. well, it's also funny because in this entire process, you know, again, I, I, I started playing in December 1986, so I have been, oh my gosh, around this for so long and loving it for so long. And I remember even while we were doing all this, I still had these love of these original miniatures. And about two years ago or so, maybe 18 months ago, I think I was talking with, I can't remember if it was Brent or Ray, but we were just doing something and having some conversation. And suddenly I realized that in my brain, when I thought of the Warhammer, it was no longer the old image. The old image had actually been replaced by the new. And I sat there kind of like, feeling like i was cheating on my wife right like wait <laughs> like I, I i'm not i'm not this allowed scary. to uh, then, uh, right I'm, this is wrong and then i sat and thought about it for a little while longer and i'm like no this is this is amazing it's and so I bad. don't need the old designs anymore, right? Like a, yeah, I let's get old, let rid go. of the old
6: wife. Commit to the
4: yeah. new wife, <laughs> <one>, Randall. <laughs> uh, I'm, so glad I'm glad Tara's out of the house right now. I know. So. It's, it's, it's
2: like the meme where the guy is laying in bed with his wife. She's like, I bet he's thinking about the old Warhammer. <laughs> and he's like, what? I'm thinking <laughs> about the new Warhammer.
6: <laughs> but it, hey. it was a
4: great, now, now, don't get me wrong. I'm sure there's some people that pre- still prefer the old. But it's becoming few and fewer, right? Like, I, um, yeah. I don't see a lot of people going, give me that old Warhammer. Give me that old Marauder. They're like, give me more of this redesigned new era that you guys have created. And that's what we're doing.
5: What I think and admittedly, that everybody game... that preferred that old, they still had the old minis. You like? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We're not taking anything away. We're, just-
9: I would say we're, yeah. we're not sending shattering
4: teams to get, like, I... I <laughs> I have shelves and well now they are drawers and drawers of old metal minis Yeah. but that's the other thing I realized about 12 months ago that I don't want to pull out my old metal minis I want to pull out the new plastics and play with the new plastics and that's that's an amazing moment to, to reach
2: I think with that Warhammer and even the Marauder for me was we had the image of the old ones and then you guys had to redo everything and it just they they didn't look like what they were supposed to look like. So nope. when you went back to what it kind I mean, the new stuff now sort of has the look of the old age, but it was the in-between area that were we like... The
5: Project Phoenix stuff where they had to yeah. re- very dramatically redesign everything so it doesn't look <laughs> like, yeah, that's...
2: I think we yeah. were just so, so happy that you guys went back to what it was kind of I like. Oh, yeah.
0: Our, our brain well, well, just got changed. Well,
4: well, not only that, but let's be clear. You know, I, I I'm happy to fall on that sword. I <laughs> was being the art director during that time because we didn't have the team, we didn't have the resources, and I am not an art director, right? Like, I I think I can provide really good feedback on art, but I should not be telling an artist how to how to draw something. That's Brent's job. That's why we hired Brent. Um, And so I look back at that, and there's a couple of designs that I'm still kind of like, yeah, that that looks pretty good. There's plenty of them that I'm, like, holding my head, like, I'm sorry, guys, you know.
2: (laughs) And again, they weren't bad. It was just they didn't look like what we're used to. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you tried to get it close enough, but they were just far enough away that it's like, well, that's not a Warhammer. And then when the new one came out, I was like, that's a Warhammer. (laughs) Yeah. So... Yeah, that was. Yeah, it's funny because back to your original
5: question, when you asked like, "What were the ones we worked the hardest on?" Admittedly, in my recollection, uh, the Warhammer and the Marauder. The Warhammer because we did it first, Uh, and if I remember correctly, I think we paused on the Marauder because Ray was so connected to it, we had to like find a somewhat neutral ground. Um, and and like we went over that, we agonized over every square millimeter of that thing over and over and over. Before we ever showed anybody, Uh, and then I think we're about to show people when we dove in on on the Marauder. And I I actually think the biggest fight we ever got into, Ray and I got into, like a table flipping disagreement where (laughs) there was no middle ground. Um, That's that's, it's the cockpit, isn't it? The cockpit thing, yeah. So, but uh, who won? uh, We agreed that it isn't just one way. Ah. Compromise. And so what it is, is that now every time we show it, I say, which version of the cockpit do you want in this one? D- does it matter? And, and originally he was saying, originally that was the idea, but he was always saying, no, I want them all armored, armored there. You can't see out of the sides of the top. And, and he, he's now recognized like for a lot of these units that aren't like the deeply entrenched ones, doesn't necessarily matter. But there are some, it absolutely matters, and so we absolutely need to show those as armored. And, and he was totally right to hold that line, no question. So, but yeah, but yeah, we, we over and over and over, months and months of work, just those two. Once we, yeah, was... once we crossed the barrier on those two, um, that was the, line, the, the minefield between, you know, across the border that we had to get through.
3: But Fighting, it got better. Can...
5: Yeah, what was it? There was a mech just two months ago. Anthony sent in the sketch, and I'm like, that's perfect. Change nothing. And I think Ray was like, I don't like any part of that. I want you- everything <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't.
4: I don't remember which one that was. I don't, I don't either. I think because there's been Come a few on, too many of those, so I don't remember you it. You got a microphone?
3: No, there's a few like that. My, my, my go-to is I, I'm okay with that, and if you guys are okay with that, that's fine. But I don't like anything about them. So there's been a few like that.
4: Oh, uh, uh, he, one of the he, one of the other ones actually was the Goliath that uh, uh, Ray was. We okay, fought yeah. over that like crazy, and basically we almost completely caved to Ray. And at the end of the day, it, it was actually it, he made the right call. It was absolutely the right decision. Because I now I don't agree. <laughs> and the, Goliath, the Goliath has I, I been the worst.
1: So Goliath is in the in the in the mercenary Kickstarter, right?
0: Absolutely,
9: yep. yep. That I, and I've the always, scorpion.
0: I've always loved the old Goliath and the old scorpion designs, and these are melding both, and they're 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 gorgeous.
3: You now know, how much Ra- Randall was mocking us this last week.
5: He got the those pr- the print proofs, and and it has a spinning. T- turret on it. Uh-huh. And he's taking pictures of it spinning. <laughs> sending them to us at different positions as so, they turn I'm like, oh dude, that's actually kind of cool. You're making me like the Carolion. Nice.
4: Yeah, so so not only that, but like the level to which they got some of these turrets. I'm really astonished. Like on the galleon, that dinky little gun yeah, in yeah. the front in the front left side. Is a turret. It turns. It's crazy. So, yeah. Uh, Well, I'll I'll have like a whole giant bag. Like, uh, two or three nights ago, the box had showed up and it was like four hours sorting and reviewing and commenting. (laughs) And And taking pictures and sending it to us and mocking us. And and then there's going to be 40 or 50 some odd minis in the display cases at Gen Con for everyone to come and look at. So.
1: Okay. How many, so we've got mechs and we have vehicles in the Mercenary Kickstarter. Correct. Can you guys give us kind of a breakdown of mechs to vehicles? You said you had the one infantry unit, the, the new, uh, or not new, Correct. but the industry battle armor. But-
4: uh, so r- roughly speaking, there's about somewhere between 50 and 60 new units. Mm-hmm. It's about half the size. And about a third of those are vehicles.
1: Still not enough, but all right, I'll take it.
2: I'll take it.
5: (laughs) Shut
1: the fuck
2: up, Andrew. I'll take it. (laughs) Keep in keep
5: in mind when you say, "Is it enough?" It's tough because, like, a lot of us BattleTech lore folks were kind of completists. And there are a lot of vehicle designs in Battletech. I mean, there are a lot of them. And so just a lot by the nature of...
6: Yes, there are.
5: Yeah, there are.
2: Trying to but find look, that balance
5: so it doesn't become tank tech.
4: We
2: here have yeah. gone through almost every single vehicle that is in the lore searching yeah. for that gem. So we know a lot of them. <laughs> <Yeah.
4: clears throat> well, and, and in this case, it was not it was a fine balance between making sure that we're slotting in for the different roles, you know, so, so the factors that you use to figure out what's going in there, right? So you gotta, you gotta get the right roles covered. You gotta make sure that they're quintessential. Uh, you gotta make sure you're getting in at least one wheeled and one vehicle and one hovered and one VTOL and I mean, the criteria was actually, and you only get like 12 designs. So, man, that, you know, there was, I mean, the fights weren't bad. It was just long discussions. Like I don't, there, there weren't knockdown drag out fights like there were with some of the mech stuff. It was more just long discussions of, you know, no, I think this is more a quintessential tank. No, I think the Vedetta is the more quintessential tank at this thing and make your case. And, you know, it was those type of discussions.
5: Well, and then, and then we would have that discussion, and then Ray would come in and he's like, okay, yeah, but the Lance designations from the rules for this type of a, of a Lance is this, so we need vehicles that fit that. I'm like, okay, yeah, you're absolutely
4: yeah, totally right. Always, <laughs> yeah, always got to keep that in mind. So, yeah, every single force pack we put out is built with the force building rules, and so that's that's another factor that has to be taken in, yep.
3: It's a formation there's one uh exception to that though, if I could go ahead and spoil this. Yes. We have an objectives
4: force pack.
8: What? Oh okay. really?
4: Go on. Do, do, do you want me to do you wanna say what they actually are? Yeah,
3: I'm I'm pulling it up. Oh, I
4: mobile can tell H- you what
3: they are. Mobile <laughs> HQ, MASH and the mobile long tom.
4: <gasps> Is it one or so two we- uh, no, it's just one. They're, well, they're, it's two miniatures yeah. that, are, that are the long tom So we're going to have a match Yeah, the unit. idea is that, this is that this is an objectives pack, so it's less about I'm putting this on the field and actually firing it as opposed to what a lot of miniature it's games targeted. do, which is exactly you've got this gorgeous piece sitting there on the table and i got to hit it before it can fire off to the next scenario type of thing.
0: Come get some. That's awesome. Yeah, so, and we
4: don't we will. we don't enough. have the long tom at Gen Con. That's not far enough along, but we will have the mobile HQ at Gen Con. And of course, the stupid radar dish. It turns. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's the it's the little things, man. It's always the little, the little things. things. Absolutely. <laughs> so two
2: two long toms, a mobile HQ and a mash unit. That's gonna be awesome.
4: Yeah.
3: I'm very looking forward to that. Um, and uh, I did a quick check. It's actually one quarter vehicles out of the whole thing.
4: Ratio? One quarter. Got yeah. it. Got it.
3: You promised us one third, damn it. Come on.
2: That's, uh, that's <laughs> why. That's <laughs> why I had yes, to make sure. It's
0: like Pawn Stars. You got to have room for more <laughs> well, Kickstarters. Well,
4: so we're still we're still working out the pricing. But the tentative plan is that when you're looking at a pack, you know, when you're looking at the Ontos, for example, you're getting two, you're not getting one. That's awesome. So every vehicle actually comes doubled up. That's fantastic. Now, so that's going to happen. Then how many actually come in a pack? That's what we're still finalizing. Yeah. Ah. But. But you will, in fact, always get two of the same vehicle because that's usually how it's deployed in the fiction. So, make it a company.
2: Yep. Yep. (laughs) And they look so good when they're painted together. Um, Leading into that, (laughs) is the Kickstarter model here to stay? Or is this going to, are you going through another Kickstarter, see how it goes, and then transition to something else? Or where Uh, are we uh, headed for the future?
4: I would not want to. I really dislike blatant statements. <laughs> yeah. um, I'll, the, I'll change so, my question.
2: It seems the Kickstarter model is very effective and very
9: so uh, successful. Kickstarter, yeah, hey, Randall, so can Kick- I take this one?
2: Yeah, yeah.
5: So Kickstarter has proven beyond a shadow of a doubt to solve one of the very biggest problems within uh, gaming companies reaching their fans kickstarter is the best marketing tool that there is it's the best way to connect directly with the fans one of the toughest things if you think about any industry like okay well we need to get the word about something how do you advertise there is no advertising in gaming there is none if you look at the success of companies like uh cool many or not the reason why they were so astoundingly successful is because they built a fan base that knew that if they promised them a kickstarter they would knew they would get updated about it and then the item would arrive they knew they could rely on that and it allowed cool Mini or not to reach directly to their fans and show them lots of eye candy regardless of the fact that the rules suck and say hey these are really really great enjoy i'm actually just taking a, a <laughs> swipe at the original zombie side that came with in playable rules but uh, I, i'm a huge fan of the minis are awesome so but uh <laughs> but anyway yeah if you think about the nuance of what kickstarter is like the, the way it's used properly now with the companies that have used it successfully. It is the best marketing tool to connect directly with fans and allow the fans a chance to determine what the future of something will be. If we had not gone with Kickstarter and the Clan Invasion one, we would have come out with the Clan Invasion box set. We would not have had all the follow up mechs. And all of that and the feedback back and forth and back and forth and back and forth between constantly between the fans over what became two and a half years because of COVID, but you get the gist. It allowed us to connect directly with the fan base in a way that usually you just can't as a company that produces the items going to market. So until that model evolves, breaks or changes, this is still a great tool to use to connect directly with the fan base. And it's the best way we know of to hear back from them on specific items, both the good and the bad.
2: I think personally yes. for me, this has been, I think, I think because of the Kickstarter that has elevated Battletech into what I think everyone in the community is calling the golden age of Battletech right now, mm-hmm. I think that's, what's really rocketed it, it into both mainstream and you know bringing back old players going oh look at all the new fun stuff um <clears throat> following through with the kickstarter like you guys did is again a huge benchmark which thank you all to that because i think we've all been a part of a kickstarter that's like oh this looks really cool and then six years later we're like oh yeah i remember that thing that i did six years ago <laughs>
3: um yeah so that's the huge for us
4: yeah there's we have had endless conversations. And in fact, like I have a big document somewhere that I've written up because that's what I do that kind of delves into what happened, right? You know, four years ago, Battletech was flatlined, right? It just was almost nothing. And how did we get from there to here? And there are many factors at play A huge part of it absolutely is the Kickstarter, but I think there were very important other elements that fed into that. And then even with all of that, I still think there's just this magic sauce that happened that no one can quite figure out, that we just happened to hit at the right time with the right stuff, with the right momentum going to just... You know, literally, we're we're hitting numbers now not had since, you know, the ninety, ninety one, ninety two of BattleTech, which is just nuts. It's just insane.
2: And also, you have the right people in place too.
0: Just arriving, we have uh, Charles, Luke. Doesn't really excite me. Get in, Dirks. Welcome back.
9: Hi everybody. Um, w- welcome, esteemed guests.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> welcome. Hi Charles. Way to be late. <laughs> I've got just one thing to add to the uh, yeah. Let me just add one thing to the Kickstarter question and that is uh, I could see us continuing to use Kickstarter for all the reasons stated. The thing to keep in mind is that we will change up how we use the Kickstarter. Like you saw how the first one was a whole era thing was Clan Invasion, that was the theme. We didn't immediately do civil war or jihad you know we're doing mercenaries that doesn't mean the next one is going to be draconis combine or jihad or whatever so uh we'll make sure to to change up what we use the kickstarter for how we use it and um just something to keep in mind yeah absolutely totally agree awesome um you another question i had
2: which has recently come up is the Barnes and Noble Wolfs Dragoons uh, special pack or special force pack that was specifically sold through Barnes and Noble. And my question is, how is that relationship now growing between bigger retail stores? Uh, I think we have the background of the new force packs coming out, uh, that they are all uh, an exclusive to a certain company how is that relationship growing, and and is that is that helping you guys? Is it is it making BattleTech better uh, by new products? Um, how is how is that whole thing kind of helping the BattleTech universe?
4: So what what it does is it allows, uh, it allows BattleTech to get in front of an audience that would never find it otherwise. And so back in the nineties. Barnes & Noble was one of, you know, before FASA closed down when I was there, the Barnes & Noble channel for sales was almost our biggest channel, right? There was that much sales that happened. And then FASA closed and, you know, uh, FAMPRO and all the things that happened. And so here we are 20 years later just kind of dipping our toe into rebuilding this idea that there is – a market to be had that are not core hobbyists at all that love giant stompy robots because giant stompy robots are never out of style. And this allows us to go there and they are extremely like Barnes and Noble loves us. I mean, we sold, you know, nearly 17,000 of these in six months through Barnes and Noble, which is astronomical numbers. Wow. And just to be clear,
5: those numbers, they sound awesome. What's important to note is we broke Barnes & Noble. The first day they put it up, demand for a Battletech product that was not (laughs) books, broke their website and caused Barnes Noble to crash. (laughs) They had never had anybody come in with demand that high. This is a company that sold Harry Potter. How in the (laughs) world can Battletech crash you?
4: Yeah. Play so, to go community. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and so that, you know, p- part of us is I completely understand this idea of exclusivity sometimes can feel a little wrong. You know, it can make your shoulders scrunch up a little bit when you're talking about the thing that you love. And so we, we understand that and we try not to go too far down that rabbit hole. Um, but at the same time, you know, trying to find that balance of not going so far that it's actually difficult for backers to get or for just for the community to get. But at the same time, it just forges such a great relationship. And now they're carrying more and more of our stuff. And the AirDon Light Horse will be there. You know, yeah. we just can't not do it. So what that does lead to, though, is our poor European backers, that, well,
5: all internationals
4: but really all internationals and yeah. we are working on that and the only way to get around that and really we're not the only company every company is struggling with how do we get our material to international customers because shipping is just so horrifically expensive and so literally companies are coming together to create warehousing hubs in various parts of the world where stuff will be shipped to at normal warehousing cost, and then you're distributing locally. And so that should start to shift the burden so then you are just getting local shipping rates. That just takes a long time to get into place. And, we, and we a, lot. a lot
5: of- the resources and, and the dollars and the... It is a big deal to put that stuff in place.
4: Yeah, so we we have the Australia one that has we've been prototyping. It's been up for a little while and we've been testing that out. Uh, the big one is Europe and we hope to not too long be able to finally announce that that deal has been minted and we'll start going forward. But it's just, it takes a lot of effort. So, you know, just hopefully our international customers can have a little more patience as we you know we're just working through the craziness that we're in and trying to get them there get them their max that they know with that they want on a
5: humorous note you guys want to hear a funny story absolutely always i told one of you and only one select member of you at at lunch during KerenskyCon the story (laughs) but uh yeah so if you guys remember was at this time last year at Gen Con, we had the big giant map, big, big giant map, massive map. Things took me seven years beating up Lauren, trying to convince him to do a big, big giant map. So we finally get it. And one day item arrives in the mail and it is this massive tube that was. you could tell the distributor had to tape two boxes together in order to ship this thing. Cause it was more than six feet tall. So, um, so I, I I open it up. I pull the big giant map. I'm so excited. I put it across my my dining room table. I instantly set up a game. And I'm not kidding. I probably had that box sitting there next to my recycling bin for like two weeks. And then it was finally time, you know, like, cause we, every other week is recycling day and recycling day comes. I'm like, all right. And it's, it is raining. It is dark. It is friggin' cold. I'm out there trying to smash all the things to get the last things to fit in, into the recycling bin. And I have this eight, six foot plus tube that i'm trying to break down and it won't break down so I, no joke i am stomping on this thing and i got three good stomps out of this you know the swag item that 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 randall was kind enough to send me and i realized wow it's almost <laughs> as if there's something in the bottom of this box <laughs> so this was oh, my no. copy of the dragoons exclusive pack for barnes and noble I don't. It
0: <laughs> the rain stomping on. That was cold and wet <laughs> and being stomped oh, on. no. a line developer. Yeah. So, no
5: joke.
8: That sucks. I'm on
5: a like a college visit for my son, and we happen to stumble upon, there's a Barnes Noble. I'm like, I haven't seen a Barnes & Noble
8: in years. <laughs>
0: The irony.
5: No joke. I go in and I buy, retail, the Dragoon's drug- <laughs> exclusive box because I had stomped the bejesus out of the one that Granel sent me. <laughs> so, so there you go.
0: And then you said, hey, look, I got the hee
5: hee hee. The unexpected downside to those exclusive packs. You, you
2: never saw it coming. I am glad you guys took uh, my uh, acronym for that giant ass mat that you guys had that yes. had to be mislabeled. Yes. I think that was, yeah, the it only, was, yes. that was the only productive thing that came out of that night at Gen Con. <laughs> that, that was good. That was no, still a good time. That was a good time. Yeah. Um, going to switch a little bit here. Brent, you're going to keep talking, I guess. Uh, where is Creative Juggernaut at these days?
5: Uh, Creative Juggernaut has reshifted its focus. Uh, we are doing two things. The first one is the Destiny's oh, wow. Game.
9: Sweet Jesus.
5: From, yeah. Nice. This is my head. This is the mech. This is so uh, Destiny scale, um, and a Marauder. I have. I'm, I'm gluing them together.
8: But,
9: so but yeah. yeah so, so, for, so for for anyone out there, when you see this, you will now know exactly the size of Brent's head.
5: Yes, the <laughs> mech is the size of my head. If you see the mech, that's that's the size of my head. Yes. From
0: seventy five toe tip to missile launcher. Oh long my
3: skull.
5: Yeah, so it's actually, yeah, honestly, this was a fun thing that, once again, for those of you that don't know, like, people ask, how does creative juggernaut do the things that they do? And the answer is, um, since COVID started, we locked Kevin in his garage. And the guy has a CNC machine in his garage. So he he comes up with amazing things. And so amazing things keep coming out of the garage. So one of those was that he really, really wanted to do large scale uh, miniatures. Um, which should surprise no one. Cause when I had him, when we had him do the, the awesome statue, the eight foot tall, awesome statue, um, he actually wanted it to be not only 10 feet tall, but he wanted it to articulate, so would walk into the show. <laughs> I'm like, dude, there is so many ways we could, if this thing actually was, was powered, you know, we would never get permission to move it in. <laughs> it the yeah. So anyway, um, Yeah, so Kevin really, really wanted to do uh, large scale items. And we discussed at length okay, if we want to do this, what should we pitch to Catalyst? What will be the idea? And and Juggernaut, from its very inception, it it has always been a think tank. uh, Like, let's. Creative Juggernaut is uh, a little bitty company set up to uh, create, test, and prove product models for gaming products. So we're like, all right, so let's come up with the prototypes. Let's come up with the packaging. Let's come up with the idea. How would this work and everything? And we realized, okay, if we want to do a large scale thing and actually make it playable, then the idea would be let's come up with what is the smallest we can get an actual infantry unit that is correctly scaled and has enough detail that even a novice player, painter, can paint it and make it look halfway good. You know, cause some of those little miniatures, they're so ridiculously small. You're like, yeah, I- I would need a master's degree to be able to paint the detail on this stuff. And not everybody's ready for the camo specs team. It's just the reality of it. Most gamers are low end on the painting skill. So we're like, okay, how can we get it? And we realized, okay, after, you know, Randall went through and tested 45 different gaming systems at the time that we were trying to figure out what scale to go with and everything. uh, We realized, okay, well, we knew what, how many, what height we wanted the miniatures to be. And then let's scale everything up from there. So then, elementals, vehicles, tanks—how or uh, max? How how would that scale? So, insert uh, a whole lot of math, many many months of discussions, a whole lot of prototyping on 3D printers, and then we began to produce things. So the Marauders that we that you will see at Gen Con, in which the Kerensky backers got at Kerensky Con, those are not 3D printed. These are production.
2: Damn.
5: So uh, there will be some 3D printed and some production ones in the display cases at GenCon because we have done additional units like the Urban Mech, <gasps> yeah. and this is next to my face, so that's Which how big. Is not I'm as here. big
0: as Range Head.
5: It's not as big as that. No,
0: maybe face, maybe yeah. mouth to eyebrow. What?
9: Well, that's going to make a lot of people very happy because the uh, photos out of KerenskyCon, there were a lot of people saying, where do I get my hands on those Marauders? So yeah, the, the idea that that is something in the pipe and that's a real thing, that's going to make yeah, a lot of uh, people very happy.
5: Right now, we're still in the very limited thing because the idea is, okay, what in the world could we do with this? How would this be? Because the first thing is like, Having one mech is really cool for a display item, but I don't get to play with it. Now, take it all the way out and okay, producing enough big giant units. And just to be clear, these are not cheap units. Um, You know, if people figured out how much they would have paid for armor cast accounted for inflation to today's prices, it's probably about like that. Yeah, it's pretty spendy. Um, But anybody that's familiar with Warhammer, they're like, okay, well, I'm willing to spend that if it's really, really cool. Um, so yeah, there's, there's give and takes and stuff, but yeah, you'll, you'll see some stuff. And so that's one of the things that we are doing currently for Catalyst. Now, with that said, Juggernaut's primary focus has been launching our own, our, the very first of our own IPs. Uh, and the plan for that is to launch that later this year. So just know that that is something that is coming. It is called Land and C. Um, there is a, um, a, a Kickstarter coming soon landing page that is now up. Uh, if anybody wants to email me or whatever, you can. We'll be happy to send you the link to it and put that out and just look at creativejuggernaut.com and I'm sure there'll be a link from there and, and uh, going from there. So yeah, at the moment, those are the two primary focuses on, are from Creative Juggernaut. Awesome.
2: Uh, we uh, were lucky enough to have some Patreon members send us some uh, questions. And this one's for cool. Aaron Cahill. So Aaron, turn your camera back on. Will Natasha Kerensky body pillow Kickstarter be coming soon?
9: <laughs> he he went away again. That was the perfect answer. I
7: don't know. Ray has the prototype. <laughs>
3: <laughs> not done with it yet. <laughs> not done. <laughs> Still under product review.
5: <laughs> just to be clear, Creative give or not did not create that prototype.
9: I mean, I think it's just a testament to the quality that you guys want to put out. That you test the product so thoroughly before Crazy. production. Thank you, Ray.
2: <laughs> He's a giver. uh Chris Hesby actually also asked, uh, with the apparent success of the Premier Minis, what's the likelihood of seeing this expanded so that you can buy more customizable Omnimec packs? Or I'm going to broaden that out as um, the the exclusive miniatures. Is that going to be a thing? Is that going to keep going forward?
3: We're we're going to keep going the way that we have with them and, but there's plenty of other possibilities that we've been discussing no, nothing solid that we could say but for right now yeah we've got several more of these minis just like this planned for the future and it's important first-
5: to remember that the, the the original plan with those is that you know like every time that there is a major event in universe we are trying to more closely tie the miniatures, the novels, and the source books that all happen. So the idea originally, like when we first tested that with Juggernaut for, uh, for Tuked, was, you know, can we, is it even possible to get limited production, unique mechs that occurred in that event produced anywhere close to when we released the book? And the answer is uh, maybe, but it's incredibly hard. Uh, but we've obviously worked a lot of the kinks out, um, and, uh, it, it, admittedly, I think we should take the premium off of them, uh, because they're no longer being charged premium prices in their regular production units. It, they've Now that business model has proven that it doesn't need to be some ridiculous, high difficulty thing. Um, and now we're actually having them printed with plastic injection molding, so we're able to get 4,000 copies of them, so... Um, but yeah, so like the, like when you would see a major in-universe event that we release through a source book, the idea behind those miniatures is that if there is a unique mech or two, that within a reasonable period of time, I don't know if that's three months, six months, or more, but within a reasonable period of time of that source book coming out, the go- we want to be releasing fiction and then the specialty miniature alongside that to the fans so they can help bring that to life on there battlefield tables
2: well i know from us uh huge thanks for the the hammerhead and especially the the back uh the back stuff that went behind that everybody knows about melissa now i think these days uh it it took uh, i think about a four hour period for people to read the rest of the (laughs) rest of the hammerhead uh uh description and go oh this is for good cause (laughs) so
6: oh yeah
2: Uh, One more from uh, Chris Hesby. Um, Are the units in the Kickstarter, the new Mercenaries, Kickstarter and the Lance Packs, are they going to be getting like a Rec Guide style update? Uh,
3: I'm pretty sure everything in the Mercenaries Kickstarter will get a Rec Guide type update. Now that's again, not to be confused with any of the Force Packs outside of the Kickstarter.
2: Okay, so the Mercenary units that are coming in the Kickstarter they will be getting a Rec Guide. Right.
3: Uh, In the Rec Guide's That came out so far. You notice there's a just a small handful of units that there aren't any miniatures for. Those are in the Kickstarter. Awesome. So the Doom courser is is in there? No, 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 not. We're talking about the classic units. All right, all right.
9: The redesigns, (laughs) not the new designs. Okay, (laughs)
3: that's fair. I
9: I I was getting real excited for a Contio, Not gonna lie.
0: The old busted. What about Jade Phoenix? None
9: of the new
0: hotness. Oh Not yeah. The Jade yet. Phoenix. Yeah. The fucking Jade Phoenix.
1: The one I single am. mech that has totally sidetracked to 350. <laughs> Fuck
2: Whoa. that mech.
8: Well, <laughs> no.
9: Um, to, uh, to shift gears a little bit. Um, so we are what? Halfway through the regional guides after uh, Empire alone released. So, mm-hmm. um, so what are your thoughts on that? Because I, I I know what the fans say. What do you guys think about it?
7: Hey, Aaron, you want to talk about this a little bit? I mean, I think the most important thing these are doing is sort of stabilizing the setting a little bit. Um, I talked about this, I think, last time I was on with y'all. And we had this big epic event. But then the what happens next? You know, I think you have to slow down a little bit. And that was kind of our vision in, in building these is slow it down stabilize things you know give people game you know games to play hooks um but sort of with with all of these complete uh these four guides you'll sort of have the whole picture for 3152 you'll have the basis the 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 whole pie um to set games wherever you want to you know be able to play in the old clan era and the support with things like the rec guides to have the units to feel like it's a true era that there is a place to to play so i mean they, they seem to be well received we're glad that empire alone went well you know there's always that fear of you know tamar was great but tamar smashed a part of the map the map everybody eternally cares about um, more than anything <laughs> and you know the concern of course is that that was a big dramatic change and that we'd release empire alone and it would just be like that's oh, the Merrick book or they didn't wipe out the wolves the way they wiped out the Falcons. You know, there's a hundred ways it could have, we were concerned that as well as it was done, the visioning of it would be not as well received. But it seems to be, I mean, what do you, Ray, you've been tracking a lot of the reviews and uh, feedback. It seems like it's going pretty well.
3: Yeah, it seems to be going pretty well. And uh, Tamar Rising, Empire Alone. Considering Empire alone does focus on the free worlds League, and that's usually one of the forgotten factions. It's gotten a lot of good feedback, a lot of really good feedback um, i I really like what what the books have done is is
1: you guys are setting up conflict again uh-huh. in in a lot of in a lot of places and a lot of new things that you know I mean we play a war game. We need conflict to be able to move the storyline forward. And I think you guys have done a fantastic job of resetting up the universe to have more war
7: and conflict yeah. at a certain level. You know, we've talked about this before, but when we're pushing whole regiments around the map or whole galaxies, you know, it makes for big dramatic storytelling and fiction. It's, you know, it sets up awesome scenes but it's a little hard to translate to your Saturday afternoon table yeah. sometimes. Yeah. It puts yeah. a lot of the onus on the player to go, okay, let me break this thing apart and pick out a part of it that I want. And not everything has a book like IllClan that goes really deep into, obviously, a big, big battle like that where you could take a piece of it. So I think that was part of... When we were signing it well, to the mean, of giving you, them... You look at... For, we're,
1: we're doing a, a battle that I don't uh battle barn over gen con weekend and we've got 1780 points aside so i mean it's close to 35 units it's a big game but it it fits that that area that that era in what's happening in that region so hopefully we can tie that together and have people be excited to play it
2: yeah Great. painting painting it's a bitch i could tell you that
1: painting is <laughs> a bitch that's a lot of units to paint
9: well, good practice.
0: I, very good practice
9: and i think the uh interesting thing with the uh those region guides is you know tamar came out and everybody read it and everybody said okay but now what about the wolves and and then Empire Alone came out, and now everybody's going okay. But but now what about the Ghost Pairs? Especially now that uh, Question of Survival's come out. Now everybody's like okay, but now, now the next one, and and yeah. now the next one. You know, so I, I'm really excited for when they're all out and we get kind of a snapshot of the entire sphere and how everything's playing. That can that's going to be really you, cool.
1: Can you guys give a little synopsis at all, or, or is it letting too much out of what the next two books? Will entail.
3: Uh, well, the next book, Dominion Divided, covers the the conflict between the Draconic Combine and the Federated Suns, and uh, it will also cover uh, the Roscelheim Dominion. Um, we'll see, you know, we'll see Snow Ravens in there, the Torian Concordat, um, and it generally covers that that piece of the map. Whereas the last okay. one. The working title is Ilkhan's Eyes Only, and that will look at Terra, the Ill Clan, uh, yeah, uh, the whatever open area that's that's left of the remnants of the Republic of the Sphere, and uh, and uh Dowson, because okay. so, we know because gonna... we know Dowson's driving towards Terra, right?
1: Or he had mm-hmm. been. So yep. what what is the result of that? Okay
7: the top yep. half of the capellan confederation if the bottom half was since we did that in empire empire mm-hmm. yep okay
9: when when i think that's where cuz like uh redemption rights right like really kind of teases that idea of so sure. what why aren't the wolves leaving Terra? What are they up to? And in the back of everybody's head is like, well, what's the Capellan Confederation doing? Because that could dictate right. a lot of that, right? It could answer all these questions, and it won't be a mystery to us, the reader. But in universe, they got no idea, which is really exciting and fun.
3: You know, and we had to fight quite a bit for that
9: to to
3: to allow us to have that mystery. We really, really, really had to fight for that. That's not it's not going to be a mystery forever. Just a short period of time before we get in there and find out what's happening, but. Um, that's, a, that's a great suspense. Yeah, because I mean, the, the the biggest thing in BattleTech in almost ten years, hour of the Wolf and, and Ill Clan, Ill Clan. Um, so we thought that would be a good way to follow it up. Let's focus everywhere else
7: and create this question mark. Okay, now what happened? So um, and, it yeah, was to let, and I think, to let some of that breathe a little bit too, right? Yeah. I mean you're telling a story that big, I mean, you want you know the the whole source book about that that one planetary invasion, a very large novel about it. You want that to to really stand on its own and breathe and feel important. And I think you take away some of that importance when you're immediately putting out the next book right behind it. You know, it doesn't, it it doesn't feel, it just feels like another installment. It's got to have some
0: time to settle. Mm -hmm. So speaking of like with the sphere, are we going to learn some more about who Shimmer was,
9: Brent?
2: <laughs> we haven't forgotten about that.
9: Yeah, you left the thing in, man. I
5: was, I was, does, he re- does he even remember what he <laughs> promised Oh, us? I do. I, I was surprised everybody stopped asking about him. I'm like, so we can talk about that now, but nobody's asking.
2: So, Well, you guys kept putting out so much new stuff. We were distracting you with shiny things. <laughs> yes, exactly. No one needs you pulled, to the, you you pulled shimmer. the shimmer over our eyes. Oh, yeah. like you who know, is
5: it? There's, there's a lot of content there that um, I haven't caught up on. Uh, I didn't. My impression was that we didn't really make a big deal out of Shimmer. She was just a, a character that came and was a mystery, and nobody really. It's not like that became one of the major subplots of like who was Boba Fett or anything. <laughs>
3: Am I right?
9: Right, well, well we don't know. So who's gonna pull the she,
0: strings of letting she, people in.
9: She, she okay. could be the progenitor of a whole clone army. We don't know. Yeah, she's a double agent.
5: <laughs> uh, Ray Randall, do you guys care if I tell them,
9: <gasps> like them, the whole world? Them, <laughs>
5: <laughs> yes, yeah, this, yes, this is right. actually a big mystery. It's just, I don't know, it is either.
7: I didn't realize it was
3: such a thing. Nobody told me, so I don't know if it's something that we're gonna Both
5: send me a text.
3: Go ahead, Ray, right. you're the
5: line developer. You tell me.
3: Right, right, but what I'm saying is nobody's ever told me.
5: Oh, I did? You just didn't think it was all that important? So
7: you... I thought
3: oh, that <laughs> might. Before, I thought, thought that. told... All
9: right. we'll, we'll all cover our ears, and then, Brent, you just tell Ray.
7: <laughs> you just speak directly into the flower with the microphone in it. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Actually, uh, I think it's a
5: fun little comment just behind the scenes to, to know. You know, we talk about uh, especially the folks that went to CurrencyCon and got to see us behind the scenes and realize just how far down the rabbit hall hall we go to things. Um, you know, way back when I stepped in for my short term uh, stint as the line developer, uh, one of the things that we, d- I did was to wrangle the team and say, Hey, if there's any outstanding mysteries out there that we have to, that, that were either mishandled or that we should address, let's come up with a list. My my list ended up being 18 pages long, of <laughs> uh, plot you know like plot threads that were dropped because uh, you know ultimately the story went different ways you know like there were so many things along the way that happened between the shifting between FanPro and whiz kids and you know, like the real world things and the fact that you know some authors stepped away some authors turned things over uh, th- there was a lot of things ha- going on there and we saw over that course of that time long before I stepped in. Uh, ultimately the novel publishing industry melted down and had to kind of be rebuilt. Uh, I don't know if you you like how much you guys remember that, but for those of us in publishing um, that was a big thing to, to watch New York melt down and see so many companies go out of business and stuff. So uh, it's not unusual that plot threads get dropped, but when you have a a universe that's now what 38, almost 39 years old, um, we have long memories So one of the items on my list, and I've come to realize I was one of maybe two people on the planet that thought it was even a thing. But one of the mysteries on my list is that, uh, I don't know if you guys remember the early days of Clicks, but uh, one of the very first named characters that was ever released in the minis was Tara Bishop. Right. It was Tara Campbell's right-hand mech warrior. Yeah. She had one of the very first named mechs out. She oh. was central in multiple novels. This was a character that was spent by authors building up the storyline behind this character. Wow. Unfortunately, over the course of things, the story is that that character died off screen and was just footnoted. You know, somebody mentioned to Tara, Tara Campbell, oh, no, Tara Bishop died. And Tara's like, what? Like, yeah, it's not a big deal. Let's just move on. And, and even even reading the story, the novel that was in it, just felt terribly short-shifted. So the, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but there are certain rules to game design that if you break it, you will kill things. Like you, like one of the biggest ones is never ever 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 take something away from the players that they've earned. Ever you do that, and you'll have people walk away. They'll never play your game again. Uh, and and the you know, like if you really, really think about it, just where that is coming from as a game designer in a in a good way is that you always want to make sure that you are paying the fans in the real world and the characters in the universe the right amount of respect to treat them properly. That's the reason why so many people got so pissed off when Natasha Kerensky got jump jet footed out of her cockpit, and they were like, "I'm sorry, no, I'm not buying that." Like that's just one of those. And like I'm like, okay, let's this one I could solve. And that the idea was that ultimately that was not the end of the Tara Bishop story. Tara Bishop was severely hurt, but somebody pulled her out and turned her into a ghost knight. So that's that's where shimmer came from. So not so much that we ever had any big plan for what shimmer should, should be. She's not going to be the Luke Skywalker of the next franchise. That's not the whole point. The point is, is that we've taken, we've taken a toy that we thought was broken and put it back into the tool chest for all the authors to play with in case somebody has a good idea for what to do with this formerly broken semi redemption weird little character. If you have a cool idea with it as an author, run amok. And that's one of the things that I think is so makes Battletech so strong is that as a universe, we have so many cool toys for authors to play with.
2: I mean, so that's that's awesome news because. I mean, I think everybody hates it when a character that they love dies off screen, and nobody gets an explanation or anything. You know, it it kind of gets personal for some people when they die off screen. And Coach Nobody, no, yeah, you. as a fan, it feels like you were just
5: disrespecting.
1: I'm I'm wearing this shirt. I'm wearing this shirt in his yeah. honor tonight. That he is an essential NPC. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> no body was recovered. So,
6: <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I am going to go back and reread those Dark Age novels to see that. I'm well, definitely yeah. going to
1: go back. Yeah. Do you guys it, think it, though that with with like Game of Thrones, right? Everybody friggin' died in Game of Thrones. Like they were on for three, three, three episodes, and then they were whacked. Right. Do of, you yeah. think that that sets up? The ability to cycle characters isn't the right word, but I mean, have a character be a flash in the pan and write a book or two to get people hooked on them and then have them
5: die and move on. I mean, that's... Well, the answer to that is it's not about people caring whether the characters die. It's that they have to die cool. Okay, you know what I mean? For the purpose. Yeah. Or with purpose. Yeah, Yeah, having an ongoing parade of red-shirted ensigns in the background that just get vaporized every time the, the power coupling has a problem. Like, that becomes a, a, a trope really, really quickly, and you're like, that's just pathetic. Like, writing-wise, we don't have to worry about a, a, a single hour episode. We have the time to tell the story properly. Let's do the characters, let's do the fans Enough respect to handle those things right, uh, and, and that was actually one of the things like about um, Game of Thrones. It, it in my opinion, because I was a diehard Game of Thrones fan. Um, in fact, I'm going through the audiobooks right now, and my son is watching, like binging it. So, like Game of Thrones is very
3: fresh. But so, if,
5: if you think about the comments that happened over the course of the last, the final season of Game of Thrones, nobody was pissed off that people died in Game of Thrones. They were pissed off at the way it was delivered and george r R. martin said he wanted that that what was the last season to be three seasons but arbitrarily they said oh no you need to condense this all into one and he's like okay and that's why it felt forced it was forced they were cramming everything together And 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 it just you ended up with characters that weren't handled right uh or like you know luke skywalkers or i'm not new uh anakin skywalkers turned to the dark side uh in star wars like I, I'm sorry, you didn't bring the fans there. It happened so fast, the fans couldn't swallow
6: mm-hmm. that yeah. the
5: one good character that's not going to be corrupted suddenly gets corrupted in like 30 seconds. Um, you know, like, really? There's those things. So, yeah, so behind the scenes, this stuff we talk about all the
3: time. I, I will be a little contrary, though, and say that the Battle Universe has way more characters than Game of Thrones, that's and true. not everybody can get equal screen time. Not everybody can get a screen death. Um, or should. Or, or. should. And I, I could tell you, one exception, everybody in the Battletech universe dies. <laughs> True.
2: <laughs> Eventually. Uh, that kind of does bring up an interesting, uh, another question that I had is, uh, as the creative team and as the people that drive the fiction of the of Battletech, do you guys ever worry about Either on purpose or accidentally retelling the same story over now that we're yes. <laughs> you know <laughs> you
9: know, from
2: thirty thirty twenty five to thirty one fifty two, I mean, eventually is there a, a crossing of patterns or it was like, Oh, they already told this story.
3: Yes, yes. yes. It's yeah. a constant thing and sometimes we do tell the same story knowingly and we try to make it different in some ways, make it Interesting in, in ways that don't compare it to what we're basing it on. Whenever I come across this problem and it starts to eat away at my head, I remember Battletech itself, the whole IP is based on history. Reading the old Star League uh, source book, it's really just recycling historical events, but it makes it damn interesting to read. It, it, it is produ- producing something new. So that's what we do when we, when we come across that issue all the time.
1: Well, because I mean, you look at you look at what you're look at the look at the region books that are coming out right now. I mean, you could equate those to a certain degree of the chaos march and what happened there, only on a much grander scale, if you will. Um, that's that's but, the
7: key. I mean, are we repeating ourselves literally or thematically? If we're doing the same things in the same regions with the same type or literally last named people, then we're repeating ourselves. For pulling out a theme that, like the Chaos March, was a cool idea that, for whatever real you know real world reasons and whatever ones, but for real world reasons, never got the run that it could have. It needed yeah. to become something else, but the idea was still good. So could yeah. we pull that up and use it again in a different way?
9: Well, uh, I mean, just, just the number reasons. of people who have said, you know, Tamar is, uh, you know, the Lyons pulling a Free Worlds League. <laughs> so you you know, like it, it's a it feels similar to some you know to some readers but it's different because this has, this this isn't the way it works in Lyran space. So um so it's a new concept because it's a new place and new people. Um even if you know civil war and civil unrest and all that stuff I mean that's a a, a cornerstone of BattleTech but it doesn't happen to the Lyrans, you know.
7: Well it's interesting you talk about repeating ourselves cuz some of the crit- I don't know if I call it criticism some of the notes thoughts, people talking, I saw about Empire, was, oh, I thought the Wolf Empire was going to shatter the same way. We're not going to do that, we're not going to break every border that same way, because the the dynamics are different, so you talk about not repeating ourselves, in some cases, you know, we really want to go out of our way not to do that, and Tamar was, Tamar was very successful. You know, could we have created a zone like that somehow, some way, by hook or by crook, in every nation? Maybe. But, you know, after a while, diminishing returns to say the least. And
5: yeah, it starts to feel we're... really formulaic. Yeah.
7: Exactly. Like, so, Oh, by the f- right, by the third or fourth book, I wonder what's going to happen in this one. Well, <laughs> you, know, you pretty well guess. So, it, the, you know, well, the lines were set up for it. There, as Ray has said in the past, there's a reason we started there um, because it was the, the first thing you have to deal with after hour. So, you know, there's an interesting point on
5: this one. And I want to give a huge shout out to Ray's vision and leadership on this point. There are some times where the, you have to give the fans what they're expecting. And there's sometimes that that's not good. Right. Uh, one of the things, if you think recently, we, we played out the storyline for the Wolf Dragoons, uh, where we knew we wanted them on Terra. And it made sense why they would go there. But it would not be a clean, pretty thing. And if you think about it, like, I remember, what, two years ago? You guys were talking about, like, hey, what, you know, like so excited about the Wolf Dragoons. I'm not sure. I'm like, hey, you know what? The Wolf Dragoons have never been set up more perfectly. They've now got a Kerensky. They've got their their derelict little, you know, bad boy unit that somehow has been, like like, they've never been more interesting because once again, they finally refit
3: the model for the widows. So we did give the fans the formula
5: that they loved. And then the first thing Ray had them do is break it. So it was cool. People got what they wanted. And then all of a sudden they realized, wow, this is actually so such a better story. Uh, and, yeah, there's a fun, interesting balance there, and yeah, we agonize about it, but Ray has done some amazing job, uh, some amazing things that were so much further than than anything that was originally planned when we were first batting around ideas uh, with leading how he wanted the line to go. So, I've been really pleased with it.
7: I think that's trickled down, too, to the way that, you know, myself, Jason Schmetzer, we're looking at some of the drafts of these source books, looking at what's coming in. It's very, um, we've, we've had to steer away from places where we felt like we've done certain things before and we, you know, there there's a logic being applied to a lot of what's happening. That Things just have to happen a certain way. And yeah. even if it's a little bit, oh, we've seen something like it, there's always a way to put a spin on it. There's always a way to do something, but we're really trying to enforce things like just the, the underlying underpinnings of the universe. There are no communications. Whole nations can't react to something. You know yeah. it, This kind of stuff, and that forces storytelling in a different way than what's come before. Just by, you have to adhere to these things. Um, you know, somebody can't hear about something that happened across their nation next week. And that changes the cadence of how things have to happen. There's been some frustrations about that in some of these books where we've had to send sections back. We've had to send, we've had to recalibrate some sections, some some whole plot lines in a couple of books because you just can't move that fast. You can't do things a certain way, you know, or, or <laughs> as somebody said, why aren't the Lyrens, the, the famous criticism I think we've heard the most of Tamar was why aren't the Lyrens doing anything about this? Well, Ray, you know, worked up the PDF of showing what units are left and where they are. Okay. With what? With what? Exactly. There are no regiments to come crashing into that, that hinterlands region. They don't exist. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when you when you bring that to a writer and say, this is what it is, you cannot magic warehouse, you know, the, the 15th through the 23rd Lyran guards to come deal with this. <laughs> it's going to push You're the story right. a certain way. And you know, we're very careful about, especially when you look at some of the, the, the way these these nations have been run down. I mean, there just isn't you know, We're really trying to enforce. And especially it came up a lot in dominions. Yeah. Oh yeah. That if, was the big one. Where, where are the units coming from? Oh, it could be this or that. We'll just, you know, whip some, like I'm always the one to, to say, create, create, create. We want to create new things. We always want to create new things. Jason, and I pound that into these writers, but you, you can't create new things in terms of like, you know, whole RCTs out of nothing. That's the knock on the Fourth Succession War. So, we, the we Jade tried. Falcon
4: seemed to be able to do it often. What's that? <laughs> Not anymore. So, the Jade Falcon Galaxy gland, where they just you know pop pop a galaxy out.
7: <laughs> well, but that's, that's right. another great example of like, there's a hundred dudes left, and we were pretty. I remember we brought Ray that that plot document to management mm-hmm. to review. Like there were some raised eyebrows, but it, you know, our says like the wolves are at forty some percent. The Falcons are a hundred dudes who are going to spend most of the next few months burying everybody else. Like there were, there were pitches from several writers, several writers that they wanted to get their hands on the Falcons
3: and do cool stuff with them. But right. but like okay, so so the Falcons leave Terra and they reconquer their Oz and they reach out and do this Ooh. and that. Like who's doing that? I mean. The first thing is, why would Alaric let them go? He needs those hundred people. And, you know, that goes back to looking at the, the, the details that are in front of us from the story where, where, you know, the last thing we leave off, that's where we build from. Like It was actually looking at the map, removing all the units from the, the, the last time we looked at everything. And what do we do with these, especially when a bunch of these units are running off and creating their little empire?
7: Um, and you, when you don't when you don't focus on those details it devalues those stories they lose weight. Right. You know, something like our if we just now the falcons are running off to this while the wolves go paint this half of the map brown even though we specifically said in the book you know they're kind of lucky to be here somebody reading our latter day would would know that and feel like this book has no weight. None of this has consequence because the next writer is going to come along and just magic up a bunch more units to do whatever they want to do there's it's a shared universe and jason's much more militant about this or he says it more militantly than i do but it's um you know you're here to service the needs of the ip of the universe of the story you may have a cool story but we can't bend everything all the time to accommodate a cool story you have to find the cool story within the we talk about guardrails all the time Within the guardrails, what's a cool story to tell? It can't just be I'm going to pave the road over this way because it seems more fun.
1: Do you guys see that? Do you see that happening with the shrapnel stories a lot? That is that, <laughs> that is that work. one of the things that that happened with the shrapnel stories is it's just a, a magic thing, if you will, or is that you guys aren't really involved with that much?
3: what, what, what it exactly it? do you mean by your question?
0: Do you see the Shrapnel stories being too ambiguous, getting out of their lane, off the track? Yeah.
3: <laughs>
7: yeah, we started smiling at the beginning of that question. the the pod the audio listeners won't see that, but yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, For what
5: it's worth, it's not just the Shrapnel st- uh, like. I remember the first thing from Brian. Yeah, so I can just like come up with like, no dude. And even Sackle was like, no, Brian, you can't just, you, you know, this Stand is not line. like completely open sandbox.
7: <laughs> well, I, I, I get I, the I temptation. Want- Everybody wants to be the one who's creating, you know, the bleeding edge, the new that I got my hands on. I, I shape it. But I think part of this, this El clan era was getting that back under centralized control. I'm speaking for it. I shouldn't, but like getting that under some sort of centralized, like we have a meta plot, we know where we're going with it. You may be called upon to write a big chunk of it, a fun chunk yeah, of it. Sure. We have the plan, you know, up here, and, and you're going to do the execution of it, not
9: planning. And I, I feel compelled just to say, Andrew, some shrapnel writers do stay in their lane. I just, I just <laughs> need, to, need to put it out there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Who would that be? kill <laughs> hmm, <laughs> cowhounds.
9: Yeah. I, I, if you write the story about two people, that that never come up again. You're safe. You're <laughs> safe. It's
4: fine. See, I was just, just thinking that uh, I often, <clears throat> I mean, not that I, you know, I've been able to create plenty of new stuff, um, but I often like the uh, Mercenary Life anthology that I did. That was part of the Warrior Five. I actually found so much joy in putting a story. Like squeezing it into a very tight space filled with a ton of continuity, and telling a new story that you weren't expecting within all of that tight continuity, and that I like that challenge.
1: That that the second book I think, or the second story that you told about the travel, the the yeah. the, the cat who traveled, <laughs> and just yeah. the sheer amount of time spent um, between planets that really that was resonated for me that that really hit of like oh my god that i mean you don't think about it but then through that story that was that was a central thread of just how much time it takes to go from one side to the other um well that, uh, and that I, ad, awesome. I
4: admit uh thank you uh i had a whole ridiculous spreadsheet to <laughs> to figure all that out <laughs> Uh, but no, I and part of that was, you know, speaking of authors that are like, oh, well, we can just do this. Like, one of my pet peeves is the amount of authors that no matter how many times they write in Battletech seem to forget how travel in Battletech works. Oh, gosh. And so that that was part of my pet peeve about that story was... I'm really going to kind of ram this home. <laughs> it takes a lot of time to travel through the universe. Yep, because a lot of those, a lot of those storylines
0: early on, or that show that, are full space inbound, outbound, full yeah. space inbound, yep. outbound. That's yep. it. Just snapshots. But when you start I mean, thinking,
1: if you're not if have, you're not paying, if you're not we paying have attention,
0: four to weeks to teams. get to the planet from inbound. Yeah. yeah. If, if yeah, you're not paying attention,
1: list. if you're not paying attention to the dates at the start of each chapter, mm-hmm. y- you really lose that concept of time. So we have a
7: whole list of things that uh, between jace and I that we we've started really trying to look out for. You know, comms lag is the big one. Mm-hmm. The the HPGs have not been fixed. I mentioned that a minute ago. Travel time is another one. The way jump points are. Right? Yep. Something got into the water supply, and I know Ray's going to roll his eyes because he's heard me go off by this before. You can't defend a jump point. The jump point is anywhere except gravity. It's huge. It's a huge amount of space. Now, you can have a station that can be attacked that may be worth blowing up on its own merits, but the idea of they were waiting for us at the jump point always comes up. And it can't... Yeah. I mean, somewhere Mike Miller is smiling, probably, because he's yeah. our, our <laughs> president <laughs> planetary scientist, and he's... He of the uh, another one is food shortages. Everybody likes writing about we can't get food to this planet, and he has demonstrated mathematically that you can't move enough wheat. It would take all the jump ships in the inner sphere to keep one planet going. Yeah,
4: you're a, you're in danger of getting to the uh, the part of BattleTech where it all just comes crashing down. It's
7: <laughs> yeah, yeah. sure. Well, <laughs> I was just gonna say it. <laughs> well, that's
3: that's why we try hard not to even let that get. That's, yeah, right. That's my yeah. point. Cross that, out. But, but those, okay. things, those things are practically tropes of battle tech that have been around since the beginning. So those 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 three issues come up constantly, constantly, and we hit on those when we find them. Fact check nails us on them. Once in a blue moon, I'll let it go by because it breaks the story. Otherwise, it's you know a story that needs to happen, and uh, we. Find ways to try and make sense of it. Um, budget I think, a little bit. I think a good example of
0: that when I first read about you know, the vastness and the time is when Task Force Serpent was moving to the oh, Smug yeah. Jaguar to Huntress, and you you think about the years it took, and and you think about the supplies and all that, but. Then the communication came up too, where they heard Korinsky's message. Yeah, yeah. As it was still bouncing. Yeah, traveling.
3: Yeah.
0: Like, holy crap!
7: That's cool. That was great. Well, look what look what came out of the Sir, the time it took Serpent and then later Bulldog to go there. A dude lost his realm because of it, as he was specifically told, "You will be away too long. You'll be away too long. It's yeah. years." And sure enough, you got back and you know, somebody else had to throw it. Well, I mean that's you know
9: that's when I think Yeah, when I think that was part of the uh the first uh founding of the clans book talking about the Exodus that, that I enjoyed because it was like people think, Oh yeah, people were in these Jump ships and drop ships, and they just, you know, they went out there, they found the Kerensky cluster in the Pentagon worlds. So it was a good time, whatever. But, but, but when it was the, uh, you know, like, no, this is what the conditions were like on the ship. People yeah. are not designed to live on in zero G that long. They it, turn into goo. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just biologically, yeah. it's not ideal. It's just, yeah, it was just good.
4: Yeah. That was, that was a lot of fun to really kind of bring in some of my, You know, almost uh, science fiction heroes, uh, science fiction authors that, uh, you know, Arthur C. Clarke and some of these others that do such a great job of that. And Battletech doesn't do it very often. I really got to, you know, put that back in front of your face that this is what would happen if you did this.
7: That was awesome. Explorer Corps got into Virginia. that old Explorer Corps source book. Had some yep. like, medical.
4: I got into that. Some of that. Yeah. Like
7: you do turn into jet, like your eyeballs need gravity after a certain point. Um,
4: <laughs> yep. kind of like
7: expanse sort of uh, stuff. I, I, like, I, I, will,
4: I will say one thing on the whole repeating ourselves, just cause it's kind of funny. I remember specifically when yeah. the Fedcom yeah. civil war was unfolding and there were some fans pretty upset at some of the actions of some of the characters. You know, no one would ever do that. And we got that several times. And you know, you're trying not to go, yeah, you, you realize I we just that whole little plot thread right there is just ripped off of the War of Roses, right? Like
0: nobody and, has a and, crazy, crazy cousin.
4: <laughs> yeah, like so. Nothing that has ever been told in Battletech has not happened in real life <laughs> at some point. And, but it's so interesting how often we want like we want our fiction to be authentic, but not really as authentic as it should be, right? <laughs> it's kind of like it's uh, I think it was the iPod. Yeah, so when the iPod came out, they had spent all of this time and money to create the algorithm that would give you true random song play. And then they had to dump it because true random means that you might have the same song play like five times. Yeah. And so they realized that no, people don't actually want real random. They want the illusion of random. Yeah. Yeah, And so they had to completely redo it. it's kind of the same thing. Like, you know, we, we want to feel that our fiction is authentic But don't make it too authentic because I don't really want my characters to be morons, you know, doing stupid things like too often real people and real leaders do stupid things. You know, World War One, I'm looking at you.
0: It's like that (laughs) that common that common UA that everybody gets the company every year.
4: (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. A yep. Patreon question for I think everybody, round table ish, comes from uh, Andrew Big Balls Method. Way to go, BB. Um, what would you say is the biggest tragedy in Battletech, either in
4: universe or out of universe? So, what do you mean by tragedy? Like, that's, that's such a wide question.
0: Is there a storyline that strikes you? Oh, I was going to say, well,
4: I mean, I- I- inside, sure. Uh, but he then said outside, and that... Like I, in
2: real life to the Battletech IP.
4: Yeah, oh. I, would say the, I would say the biggest tragedy, hands down, even though I, I'm not sure I would have made a different call if I had been in Jordan's shoes, because it was a very good business decision at the time. But the biggest tragedy that Battletech has ever had is the sundering of the electronics... From the rest of it. Uh, We are still feeling, we are still dealing with that pain. I I believe a million percent, and I've never had anyone that can convince me otherwise. And I've talked to a lot of people that the reason we don't have a television show and a movie with one of the coolest, longest science Mm fiction properties ever is that the IP is too divided. And Hollywood, and no one else wants to deal with a
7: giant divided IP. Yes. Correct. Okay. Can the Can the Jim Holloway thing be number two then? Because that's definitely number one. Do you guys remember this?
6: <laughs> yeah. This
7: tell it. But... I don't. Don't tell me. It's okay. There <laughs>
5: you
7: go. You don't remember this? Spill it. So spill it. This uh, you could probably ask him because he'll he'll is around the cons. A couple months ago, I ran into a FASA artist, Jeff Lobenstein, who is a really nice guy. We talked about Battletech for a while. I was at a Magic Tournament, actually. But he was there because he's done some, some card art. for. Blah, blah, blah. He's done a lot of art. And, you know, we got to chatting. I, I was always interested in hearing stories of the old days. Um, and he mentioned that the late Jim Holloway, who, who did some of the iconic Battletech art, was apparently a very nice, very, you know, thoughtful, I guess, person, um, thought that, and this is Jeff's words, but I think I'm, I'm relaying them correctly, that Jim felt that he wasn't, and, and Brent's going to have some insight on this that I hope we'll share in a minute, because he did when I first said it, that Jim felt that he wasn't a success, that he wasn't good. And so he burned a lot of his original art at one point, which, you know, at the time, I mean, now, of course, we have the benefit of hindsight, Um, but at the time, I was told, so I was told, uh, he was not, um, he didn't save those, and of course, you know, even if he had, he's he's been gone a couple years, I don't know if there is any left,
0: but. His uh, handle was uh, EK Hanzo, Hanzo? Who's that? Jim Holloway. I burned
7: all of his original art. So I was told. Oh, that sucks. If I remember Brent had the insight in this that just artists at the time or of a certain training were not like would have seen it that way.
5: Yeah, you know, yeah, it's interesting because artists the insight as an artist is you're you're measuring yourself against everything for all time, constantly trying to get better. And and, and frankly In the the training, the schooling, the nuances of of becoming, learning the craft of being an artist is really hard uh, because there's not a lot of really good programs out there that teach it well, Uh, and you know it. it, There, there's a lot of nuance to it, so uh, I could completely understand why artists uh, would discount their own work. Oh, I didn't have very long to work on it. oh I was on a tight deadline. oh, this way you know, and and ultimately, most artists don't have it's not until they're later in their career that they have the hindsight to look back and realize it it wasn't about how strong any one individual illustration was. It was a fact that you helped a generation visualize something that became huge. You were a part of this for a massive amount of people. Um, but that's Something you only get far after the, the case. Uh, I know one of the things that we all had to deal with a few years back was realizing that the art archives were gone. Uh, back in the day, like, there weren't digital files. People, artists would like, paint their images on canvas. They would roll them up in a tube and mail them into headquarters. And then headquarters would put them in a giant 3D scanning tube. Uh, It was a bin, like a washing machine, to to scan those images to get digital images. That's how it used to be done. And then most companies would throw them away. From my understanding, FASA never did. FASA kept them. And somewhere in the process of those archive files going to FanPro and then FanPro imploding and thus getting turned over to Catalyst, most of those were lost. Not all of them, but 99% of them uh there were we found boxes of like old floppy disks and zip disks where they thought they'd back them up on that thinking that those disks will last forever and any computer guy will tell you those disks don't last forever and so you know like they were in a storage container i think it was like 104 degrees when we were like rooting through the storage container trying to find things. well we found it but there was not a computer on earth that could read them because they were totally so, so yeah, so it's just a, a lot of things of like the, the the old history of stuff was lost, and there's very rare little bits that have been saved. Uh, but it just makes those rare little bits of things that were saved that much cooler.
0: So did he do the original artwork for the cover of Wolves on the Border? I'm seeing Randall. Randall, yeah, I,
4: a... uh, I think Wolves on the Border See is uh, uh, Dietrich. Yeah, it's not it's not Holloway, but Holloway did Fox's. No, teeth. Ho- Yeah, Holloway did
7: Fox's teeth. Oh, Black, Black Widow, I think too. Black oh. Widow, a whole bunch of those original. It's the Met with the pieces. joystick and the hands. Yep. Yeah. Yep, that was yep. all him.
9: Man, that was some iconic stuff.
4: That is yep. That is a
2: tragedy.
0: <laughs> um, Rolling Thunder. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep, Man, those are awesome. So, tragedy in the Battletech universe. Well, actually, there's one more tragedy before we get into the universe.
5: Um, And it was one thing, I don't think anybody quite realized the damage it would do. Um, But the first step of the jihad wiping out all the mercenaries, um, I argue that that's one of the biggest things, bar none, because if you think about the way most fans get into the universe, it's through mercenaries. That's why almost every video game has been through mercenaries. You know, like, you don't have time to learn 35 years worth of history, but, yeah, I can just put together a little mercenary campaign to go, but if your storyline is, oh, all the mercenaries are dead, how can people get in? So, that's why we've made such a huge effort to re-infuse mercenaries to the universe. I
2: think it's paying off.
5: Yeah, Thank I you. think there's been some positive out of it, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, good question, so- BB.
5: Outside
8: of outside
1: of mercenaries. Does anybody else have have one that's near and dear to your heart? A tragedy that's happened in universe?
3: In universe. In universe.
1: Uh,
2: that you guys were responsible for and you let it go through anyway.
7: Like in terms of the actual story as it was told? Or yeah. Like, like a storyline. Okay. Like, how about the well, like, like a, a missed opportunity was getting
5: okay. killed in an ambush and the rest of the house being basically without arms?
2: Say that again. What was the
5: beginning? In Dark Age, there is a key moment where um, the, the crazy prince rallies all the forces in a specific system and the whole thing was a trap. Oh, tomorrow, so, they, tomorrow,
8: tomorrow, tomorrow.
6: Yeah. Yeah.
5: so, yeah, the Federated Sons lose functionally 40%, 60% <laughs> of their total military across the entire realm. Crushed and gone. Yeah, yeah that's... T- that's a little That's, tough to
4: recover from. Yeah, a I, tough. I think I almost always go back to uh, when uh, Omis killed. Yeah.
9: Yes, yeah. That
4: was Mike. Just killed that scene. That was just so powerful. That sucked. <laughs> Man, that sucked. really I wanted
9: that guy dead afterwards. Wanted <laughs> him dead oh, yeah. so bad.
4: Yeah, I'm not. I'm yeah. not sure there. Uh, so there's. Uh, I'm not sure there's more. Tragic scene than that. There's plenty of like amazing, fantastic, holy crap! Like I still laugh at it anytime I think <laughs> about them scenes. Um, you know, like uh, when Phelan grabs Catherine by the throat. Oh, I love and, that scene. And then you know he his father asks him uh, how did it go, and he's like, "Well, you know, turtlenecks are going to be in fashion." <laughs> uh, or probably my all time. All time favorite scene. I, I'm not sure there's a better scene, single scene, uh, than uh, when Kay's in the jail and the poor elemental guys are like, two stars. We should have done two stars, three stars, <laughs> two stars." <laughs> yeah. I would have been a whole cluster. <laughs> I would have been a whole cluster, and he's like, "What? What? You know?" Uh, but but for tragedies, I I think I think for me, I think Omi still may take the cake as. Just that's, man, that was that was such a gut punch. That is a tough one.
2: I'd have to agree with that. That one.
4: That it's one hard not to, just to
5: have Kentaris come up to the top of your mind.
4: Yeah, but that like, I mean, you're right. But that happened like in the past. Like you know, it just it wasn't the same thing. It was just this yeah. event that you read about, and you're like, "Holy crap, that's terrible!" But it wasn't the same as getting to know this great character, and then the whole way that yeah, she died. Yeah, you're not wrong.
5: It's and it's interesting because we've seen planets die bef- like that's really not all that unusual. But yeah. the planet didn't die. Somebody went through and systematically executed every man, woman, and child on the planet by hand. There there's just some visceral element about that that just and
1: yeah, you know the most? You know what's interesting <laughs> is you say that Randall. and then and then you don't bring and then you don't bring up Wars of Reaving. Right? Because yeah. Wars of Reaving had something extremely R- similar R- in oh, yeah. a Brutal. more underhanded way.
6: Happened. Oh yeah. But well that's like I almost, remember
1: But it's almost uh, like because it's clans, it's it doesn't count. It, 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 feels more yeah. okay. it feels more okay, right? Because yeah. of how their society is set up, which is wild to say, but it, yeah. it's similar, right? Well, they're warriors. <laughs> they're warriors. <laughs> they, they, they signed up for it, right?
4: They signed up for it, exactly.
6: <laughs> yeah, no, I remember
4: to... uh, many years ago, uh, I can't remember if it was on the forums or I can't remember where it came up, but somebody was complaining that I was advancing storylines because of, I was picking favorites, right? I was, I was choosing my favorite factions, and those factions yeah. were advancing. And my comment back was like, okay, so my, my favorite factions are like the Combine, and the Novacats, and the Blood Spirits. And look what I've yeah. done to them. You don't want your <laughs> faction to be my favorite faction, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> not
0: mind. a good list to be on. If I can't handle
4: yeah, I'm, like, can. I'm brutal to my favorite <laughs> factions
0: Oh, that's I, awesome. I think some of those uh, some of those one on one deaths are some of the most interesting tragedies, like Arasung, or where it's that personal, close you can they can smell the breath on the killer's face. You know,
7: yeah, it's funny. I go the other way, where I don't know if this quite qualifies as tragedy, but this the he bit in Operation Klondike, where it's said that Kerensky refuses to overthrow the House Lords when he has a chance to. I mean that that's such an interesting like piece of character work or, or development to me because he, he's too honorable to do it. He just won't. It's not in his character. He won't do it. But is that the right choice or the wrong choice, because in not doing it, it you know blows humanity back hundreds of years, it causes says you know it's it's not a good choice, I guess it doesn't create more good. it gets you get into these philosophical kind of things of does it create the most good, even though it goes against his character and is justifiably wrong to seize power that way? I don't know that kind of stuff's always interesting to I me mean, when the little Corners of Battletech Canon where you get into that kind of stuff, I think, is really cool. Where it's closer to like the the avoidance or the what
2: could have been. Yeah. What
7: could have been? Like, wouldn't that have been better for everybody if he had done that? He's he's so honorable he never would have because he was morally correct, but big picture wrong.
4: Yeah, so so fun aside, I completely agree with you a million percent, Aaron. In fact, I agree with you so much, not to do too big of spoilers. But in the third Foundation novel, on. one of the back scenes, I kind of touch on that. And I do it in a way that kind of lambasts the decision. And I think it was Mike Miller in the review was kind of like, finally, yes, Chris he was a
7: monster. <laughs> he should have sacrificed his own honor for the good of humanity, but couldn't.
4: Yeah. That, it was. Yeah, it I'm was. So that but was a really fun scene guy. to write.
7: I could see the okay. other way. But I'll out there that,
4: that there is a scene in the novel, one of the interludes where we get into that. For those that are made me think, haven't gotten there yet. So <laughs> actually, yeah,
7: yeah, I do. remember that to get that back scene, to Klondike yeah. and remember that that was that happened. That that was yeah. it, that occurred. But I
5: remember actually I remember there was an interesting scene, into. and it is Randall's scene. Um, when he had the that novel where the Nova Cats. In the occupation zone, don't know what happened on Stronomecti. and just everybody starts descending on them, and they're, they're 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 trying to get out, and they were so mishandled by all the other clans. Like, why are you treating this? Like, what are you doing? And like the Novikad exists, and and they arrive in the Combine, kind of semi feral because they're just so broken by what just happened to them. What's interesting is that when you told that story, that felt like. A, a true clan tragedy in a way that um, hit me way more than it should have for, you know, made up characters in a book. Um, that one had a lot of weight to it in my opinion. Yeah.
4: Yeah. That was uh, a path of glory. That was also yeah. the one that, again, I love as much as the next person of the, of the character surviving onto the next day. But by that point in Battletech, I was actually kind of a little sick and tired of every single character surviving. And so when I went in to write that my very first novel, I'm like, my main character is going to die. Now, hopefully I do it in a cool way, but I'm killing off (laughs) my main character. And that's what I did.
7: Shades of Jason's answer to everything is what should we do with this person is kill them like yeah. come up repeatedly in books recently in source books like yeah. what should happen to this unit destroy him we'll create something more we'll create something better next like he's okay. you talk about yep. some churn he's the guy who loves some churn but i think it's it's a good like <laughs> it forces creativity right? Not again <laughs> i know
8: all about that
7: <laughs> well,
8: like,
7: and for what it's worth it's not
5: whether you live or die it's just want to make sure the oh, character dies cool
8: and that's that's, that's I think where yeah. it
7: comes from exactly is yep. we don't want to just be preservationists and have to keep track and also have to keep track of that much canon like killing them yeah. is a good way to end their sarna entry you know and not have to worry about it again so
4: yeah we are we already have an obscene canon
7: I love Jason Spencer, yeah. but fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> somewhere, somewhere, he just fell asleep to that like with a long restful sleep. I was gonna say, he, yeah. yeah,
4: he just smiled. Yeah, yeah, he just raised a toast right there. I think that's awesome. He
0: probably just giggled in his sleep, thinking about how he was going to kill you. <laughs>
2: Okay, um, Ron Carpenter wants to know, or Robert Carpenter wants to know, why is Clan Ghost Bear the greatest clan ever, and if not, why are you all wrong?
3: <laughs> Feels like the a- argument
2: can
5: be no. said that they're the greatest simply because they are the biggest, and biggest is therefore great.
4: I've always really liked the Ghost Bears. I, I really liked the the big, slow to move. And then when they do it, they're inexorable. I've always had probably in my top five favorite clans is is the ghost Bears. so i, I totally get it.
7: Ironmandrel, blood That's spirit, cool. scorpions. <laughs>
4: uh,
8: Wolverine're they're,
7: they're sort of I, unique think, <laughs> I think they're sort of unique among the clans of having like a vision for where this is going, other than yeah, conquering terror. I mean, obviously that's the goal, but that's, you know, for a long time, that was sort of an out there goal.
4: Um, no, it was actually one of the really cool things that I was able to do, that I got to do in, in the Foundation of the Clans, is actually show exactly what Aaron's talking about, is that every time Sarah was on screen, she understood far more than everybody else except Nicholas, and often right. way more than Andre where this was all going and mm-hmm. was trying to do good by the people under her, right? I mean, I, right. I, I, I really like Sarah a lot. Yeah, she was right every step of the way. And her saw yeah.
5: was right. Like, they both got it. They knew. They were yeah. right. And frankly,
4: they were better. And, and they had they, uh, they, and, they got, and they got sacrificed.
2: I, I just like... The one thing I really love about the, the Ghost Bears is they are the quintessential center. You know we left, right, you know, up, down, but the the ghost bears are usually the center point of of, you know the rock is basically what I I could see. Yeah,
7: Yeah, I could see that. Absolutely. It made made for a tricky, I think, storytelling in Dominions because they were so stable and so big that you need to do something with they the book can't be, you know, and they continued to be stable. (laughs) Well, I will say we uh, we were gonna have a segment
2: on uh, mm-hmm. the Ghost Bears and Dominion and this and that, but uh, we're not that fast of readers. <laughs> yeah, we that's got fair. Pretty far.
5: That's fair. I think you know, for one of us, part, often thought that, like, if I was going to live in the InterSphere somewhere,
3: Ross Hawk oh, yeah. Dominion would be where I want oh, yeah, to go. Yeah, I mean,
2: seems
3: like yeah. A, I, I think a, for, for sure. <laughs>
2: Again, I don't want right? to quite say they're the suburbs, but pretty close. What,
0: what we've heard from others, and some of us have thought amongst ourselves too, is it's a very well-rounded book. It takes a lot of that external conflict, internal conflict, and it's, it's believable, <clears throat> but it also takes aspects of modern day life, like, I don't know, voting.
2: Yeah. Before we go too far into spoilers, I really am enjoying the... You know, as I quote unquote said, Ghost Bears are the center. Like they're getting split. So um, yeah,
6: it was interesting
5: because as soon as as soon as someone took Terra, and it didn't matter who, we realized you know behind the scenes, it did not matter who took the. It, it could have. There was even a joke like nobody's ever going to see it coming if the Wolverines dash in and they take it. you like, it didn't matter who was going to take it. Somebody takes Terra, and the Dominion is going to have a civil war. There is no way that the political nuances that have been laid out over the course of multiple, you know, many, many years, a decade or more, uh, plus source books and novels and whatnot, those things have to come to a head.
6: The, the moment
3: is, there is an ill clan, it's got to break. Is, that seemed obvious to those of us that have to deal with all the moving pieces, uh, because it's something that we had to explain to every writer that worked. On this, right. When it, for for one of the most popular factions, when people think of Ghost Bear, they still think of thirty fifty, not the yeah. Rassilon Dominion. Right. And this novel and Dominion's divided. Dominion's divided, especially take
7: a whole page to literally spell out. This yeah. is what the Rassilon Dominion is. There's a pay, that page was actually what we sent to the writers after we did a pretty deep dive. Fact, we actually put fact check team on it. Be like collate everything we know about the Dominion from thirty one hundred on. Trial by Chaos is a primary source and some others. But it. Codi- let's codify it. And literally the first page is here's what this like almost like a I'm trying to think of it. not like a sarna entry exactly, but a primer close. Yeah, like a primer yeah. you know, okay. sort of a, a data dump of this is the, the starting point. And it goes from there because you. there were so many misno misconstrued ideas and you know, Trial by Chaos was supposed to be the start of something, but it was never paid off. So it's kind of this, this stub of, an, of a yeah. plot line that never really went anywhere. Um,
3: you know, the, there's a lot of
7: work to do there. The first couple pages
3: of the novel are essentially that. Alaric talking to the cons saying, okay, so what's Ghost bear going to do? And they're like, well, slow down. It's the Rasselhague Dominion. We need to go back and talk with
7: everybody. Yeah, <laughs> for sure you're you're telling the Joint Chiefs of Staff bend the knee to me. Well, we got yes. bosses, man. Like, <laughs> no, I don't. I, I,
0: <laughs> I think I think the not to spoil anything, not to say that, but I think the best part of that beginning scene was
3: the decor. Oh yeah, that was actually right. That that was completely originated by the author, and that's that awesome. And I said, no, that's awesome. And that's going to be something we're going to revisit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, mm-hmm.
0: that was because there's really nothing ever really in detail on any of that. Just, great, just, just the tip of the iceberg. And
7: that's ah! a good example of the execution of like, so we have the big idea, but there's still plenty of room down below. To, to do stuff like that. It doesn't, just because you're not driving the whole boat of here's what's going to happen to this entire faction. There's plenty of area. You know, anyone who thinks it's, also oh, I'm just writing up whatever you and Schmetzer put into the spreadsheet. Like, there's a little, I mean, you could just do that. But there's a lot more to it than that.
2: Um, another question from Robert. Um, will the most dangerous character in the Ill Clan era, Kitsune Kirita, be seen Again? He has the blood of three houses in his veins and is arguably the first truly legitimate successor to the League mantle. <laughs> uh, maybe. That's a mouthful. Maybe.
4: Yeah. There, so. is, there is a there is a very extensive novel outline being worked on that deals with all of that, shall we say? Okay. Oh, and we'll leave it at that. Kitsune Kirita.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember him from the outline, but
2: yeah, but like, maybe.
3: Maybe. <laughs> okay. Yep. Who uh who uh
2: no that's a that's a loaded question. That's a broad question I should <laughs> say. You know, it's interesting the the previous
5: question was about if if Rosslog isn't the best why I'll actually throw out an answer for that one. When we realized like what is the Rosslog opinion now? We went through and started looking at all the mechs that they actually produced, and we realized most of the signature Ghost Bear mechs were not in production. They produced, I think they had nine different production lines producing uh, locusts. They had, they actually had a production line producing the Dola. Um, They were producing um, what's that stupid little uh, training mech that I designed?
0: The bear cub. The The bear Bear cub. Cub.
5: Yeah, they had like the bear cub being produced in five different planets.
0: Thank they did you, not Brad. have the
5: Warhawk. They did not have the Daishi. They did not have the Vulture.
0: Where did the old Vulture go?
6: <laughs>
0: yeah,
5: and, and, and I'm like, okay, that's weird, because they've got, like, what, four different Vultures now. Like, we have so many Vultures, but apparently they weren't. <laughs> there was, like, weird things. Like, okay, these signature units, they they should be doing them. Uh,
8: okay. Oh, no,
5: uh, they were producing the Vulture. They weren't producing the Dragonfly. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like that. Uh, it, it's eight twelve eight.
0: How do you not love that mat? Come on, it's awesome. So, so, yeah,
7: well, I think so it's the symptom I, of the bigger the, the bigger problem is they haven't been challenged in a long time. Truly challenged. Well,
5: nobody really paid attention to them, and then Ray was like, "Okay, well, we're gonna fix some of this." Yeah, they're, they're producing these
7: years. Sure. I mean, outside real life production, that of course that's just it. They were the same reason they never got except that one book. They never got dealt yeah. with much in the Dark Age. Nobody was really quite sure it was a big thing to try and take on, and they, they never yeah. did. But you know, in universe, that was one of the things that came up in Dominions. Is these, this is a nation that hasn't? What does everybody know? They're a fusion society. They're slow to act, whatever that means, and they're powerful. And when does that's their been, really.
0: when What's does that? their faction emblem change?
7: Well, from a big rectangle.
0: circle to a triangle. Triangle. Yeah, that's actually been
5: an ongoing thing.
0: 'Cause now we're still wondering what we have to paint it. <laughs> like uh You ain't man. gonna
2: paint it. You're gonna get some fighting piranha graphics and put it on. They there. don't
9: have them.
8: <laughs> oh no.
2: If only well, we, we do somebody them. to talk to about that. What?
9: No, we've got them. You got Wrestle Higdominion de- Almost. decals? Almost
8: I'll, possibly.
0: I'll send you I... my address. <laughs> well, you a file Cause, cause I got Don't some minis you that give me the need... stuff I haven't gotten from I, I,
9: I, I, Yeah, I got uh, I got some minis that really need some uh, Nordic white bear heads on them, real bad. Mm. Oh, how about, hold on, or... how
1: about, oh, how about oh. we take a How about we take a break?
9: This history
0: brief with Charles Gideon brought to you by Guess Who Aries Games and Miniatures.
9: On this episode of Wolfnet History Briefs. If you don't want to be interrupted, make your opponent think you are blundering. Hello, Wolfnet, and welcome to this installment of Wolfnet History Briefs, where we look at what happened this month in the Battletech Timeline. I'm Gideon. Let's go. For this brief, we return to the early days of the clan invasion. The 7th of July, 3050. Warriors gathered for one of the most speculated pre-battle bidding sessions of the invasion, the bidders were Khan Bjorn Jorgensen of Clan Ghost Bear, and Khan Ulrich Kerensky of Clan Wolf, and assembled to watch were representatives of the other invaders. Bidding between the two clans for the privilege of taking the capital planet Rasselhag was bound to lead to high tensions and hurt feelings, and we know how hurt feelings get resolved among the clans. It should also be said that a fair number of those observers may have been present to get a front row seat to what they hoped would be the beginning of the end of Clan Wolf's success during the invasion. The line of prevailing thought at the time was either the Wolves lose the bid and not take the capital planet in their corridor, a dishonor they would not be able to easily wash away, or they won the bid and become mired in what would surely be some of the stiffest resistance any Clan was to face at this stage of Operation Revival, and thus, lose their invasion lead. Spectators did not have to wait long for surprises, as in the opening bid, Ulrich bid away his flagship, the Sovetsky Soyuz-class warship named Direwolf. From here, bidding continued normally for a time, but regardless of what the Ghost Bears bid, Ulrich always undercut them. It became so apparent that he was not going to allow his clan to lose the bid that the Ghost Bears bid a couple extra times, just to see how far they could push the Wolves. When all was said and done, the Wolves bid three galaxies to face off against the five mech regiments, five armor regiments, and eight regiments of infantry of the Rasselhag Defenders. It is said that many in attendance laughed and joked, saying that Ulrich had finally lost his mind and believed his own hype. What they didn't know was that behind the controversial figure of Ulrich, was a man even more divisive, both in his day and historically. That man was Phelan Kell, who at the time was a bondsman to the Wolves and had secretly been assisting them in strategic planning of the invasion. He provided information that only a spheroid could have known, and it played a crucial role in the invasion of Rasselhegg. The following day, the assault groups began their burns towards their target zones, The first two were expected, as dropships burned towards Tyr and Emir in the south and far south, respectively. The third team traveled towards Asgard, a city purpose-built to be the capital, but its construction hadn't yet been completed, and the government was still housed 200 kilometers to the south in Reykjavik. It appeared to the defenders that the clans had made a mistake and were assaulting the wrong city due to not being up to date on municipal planning. Outside Amir, the Wolves used their omnimech adaptability to load long-range beam weapons, and this tech superiority outclassed the 3rd Freeman and the other defenders on the open frozen tundra. At Tyr, the defenders were unable to stop the clan mechs and elementals in the jungles as they suffered from an annual viral outbreak. With the two other theaters all but wrapped up, all that was left was for the 4th Wolf Guards to march on Reykjavik. And march they did. Under the cover of the hilly, forested terrain, they were poor targets for the 1st Dracon's famed aerospace regiment, but also enough of a threat that the elite Dracones couldn't simply leave the city to support the other defenders. Instead, the 4th Wolf Guards became an ever-nearing blade, poised above the Rasselhag government's head. Finally, elected prince Hoken Magnuson's resolve broke, and he made plans to leave the planet. In the situation leaving the planet with the hope of propping up the rest of the nation was a utilitarian decision, and Magnuson had a penchant for always escaping from a jam when he was a freedom fighter against the Draconis Combine. This move had been predicted, and the entire wolf strategy had hinged on this because when the elected prince left, he took his aerospace forces with him to face whatever unknown dangers the Black Sea might have for him. Within days, Tyr and Emir fell, and the Wolves regrouped for an all-out assault on Reykjavik, where the fighting was savage on both sides. But in short order, the defenders fell, and with them, Rasselhaeg became a clan planet. In an interesting side note, whether he knew it or not, fail strategy had possibly saved the life of the woman, who in just a few short months would nearly kill him. But that story already has its own brief. This is Gideon signing off, and remember, those who fail to learn from history are doomed.
0: And welcome back. That was History Brief with Charles Gideon Dirk.
9: So is there anything people that are coming to Gen Con should be on the lookout for at the CGL booth?
4: Uh, uh, the new box set? Yeah, the Alpha, Alpha Strike Street box Ball. set will mm-hmm. be there. The new mercenary-themed beginner box set will be there. Uh, like I said, some forty-ish miniatures oh. from the exclusive he has packs, there. and the mercenaries are in. <gasps> uh, oh, yep. Will be in display booths. A vindicator uh, cover. Ooh. We have the vintage cover reprint of a time of war. Will be at Gen Con. Look at that thing!
2: Oh. All those listeners. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah totally look at this thing
4: you can't see look at this thing look, look at the thing it's that you can't up. see yeah uh so no there, there is a there is a ton of awesome to look forward to it <laughs> the camel
3: specs diorama is going to be in the booth for the first time in, a, in years it's going to be a long battle. time
1: <laughs> they're going to be in the booth excellent good good yep. good okay
0: yep
9: yeah those guys have been teasing that diorama for like the last month so i'm really curious to see what the what what it actually looks like it'll
0: just be a pile
2: (laughs) they always always do such an amazing job so yeah so brent is any of it going to be for sale this year or are you just taking the whole thing again (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> Every year, nope spoken for. Nope, spoken. It's for. always for
5: sale. You just got to get there first. Just got to get there famous. first, right? I was there <laughs> first?
0: <laughs> he calls them while they're driving in. <laughs> <laughs> hey, before you set up, <laughs>
3: <laughs> the executioner's mine. That's, Hold on, what was that? Was? With a collar, he can't go next to the table.
0: Oh, put a shot collar on Brett. <laughs> <laughs>
5: well i'm on more of a budget this year than i usually am so i think you're gonna have a good chance
9: i was gonna say we all need uh, vendor badges so we can get there while they're setting up
5: no dude that's my secret that's how i get first cut dibs
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those of us who are familiar where uh which doors do we need to line up to at the
4: uh dealer hall aaron it's the it's the same one that you always do we're in the exact same spot oh okay With all the- oh he's got the we, map we- North side. We've, we've been in that spot Inside. for a lot of years now.
7: It's not labeled. It says Exhibit uh-huh. Hall entrance, but so do the other four.
4: So, so the <laughs> Next for to the those, Family
7: Fun Pavilion.
2: For those of you who are going, it's the middle doors.
7: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Next to the Family Fun Pavilion.
2: Yeah. yeah. They, you have to stay 100
0: yards away. Sorry. It's <laughs> those one doors by the thing? By the, the
7: thing with by the, the people, thing. exactly. You know,
8: we're gonna it's need not... a box of grid squares. <laughs> Isn't it the statue of the little girl? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't I think so. That's
7: a joke off the hundred yards thing, or an actual thing. <laughs> I've only been there once. Um,
2: yeah. how many? Here's a, a <laughs> question: How many Gen Cons for each of you has, will this be?
4: Um. Wow. Give me a sec. Uh,
5: my first one was 2008. I haven't missed one since then, but we missed one because of COVID.
4: Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, we don't count that one.
3: Yeah, that's right. I, the COVID one.
2: I think this is nine for me.
3: This would be 16. Wow.
4: Randall? I'm, I'm literally counting. Uh, this, <laughs> He's this run out of fingers is, and toes. This is my 27th Gen Con.
2: <laughs> I think you take so the booby you- prize. So you've been in the now,
1: industry a while, is what you're saying.
4: Yeah. Well, I I went I went 2 years before I started in the industry, 94, 95, because I worked for America West Airlines, so I literally just jumped on the plane and could come. It was awesome. Um, and then, yeah, so then 96 is when I started in the industry and I've been going ever since. Though it's funny because it's always about context. So when I I distinctly remember when I hit 20 years going, and I'm kind of walking around at Gen Con, like, yeah, woohoo, I'm all that. And I sit down at this panel, and Margaret Wise walks up on the panel. And at that time, I believe she was like 36 or 37. And I just immediately, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. Eh, still a piker.
2: <laughs> still a piker. <laughs> Uh, any cosplaying this year for
4: the CGL crew? Uh, we are we are potentially trying to f- see if we can find the Leviathan's admiral uniform that I had for the Leviathan demos, but no guarantees. Outside of that, I don't think there's any cosplay going on. Those were pretty impressive. I will say of yeah. those. Oh, I actually we fa- I I was doing some digging just the other day and found the photos of. Ten years ago, when we released Leviathans, I'm like, man, we did look pretty good. Yeah, we, that was <laughs> really amazing cosplay.
2: I'm going as a gravestone. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus! All right, that's enough. I've beaten the horse enough. Uh, that's it. You had
4: wow.
6: it <laughs> so you had
9: come up again. You've beaten the colonel to death.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I think this one is a little more geared towards us. Um, and it, it's kind of a two parter what now that Battletech has i would say grown a lot bigger in the last you know three, four years, um is there any outlook towards expanding into i don't want to exactly label it as organized play or tournaments or uh, a structured field of playing Battletech, both Classic, Alpha Strike, Destiny, uh, 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 Time of War. Is there any future plans reaching out uh, that you guys know of or, or have, a, have a handle on or, or any of that? Um, is there any insight you can give into what, what we can look forward to in that area, arena? Randall, you want to take that one?
4: Actually, I was going to throw Aaron under the bus.
7: <laughs> yeah, yeah, happy, happy to, happy to see the tires coming. Um, so, well, sorry, just, seeing- just
4: to be clear, the reason I'm throwing him under the bus is we actually have things in the works. Yes, and he has done much more looking at and reading than I think Ray and I, because we just yeah. haven't found the time yet. And after Gen Con, I will then be doing the deep dive that Aaron has already done. So that's why, that's why I'm throwing him under the bus.
3: The short answer is yes, and Aaron can give more information
7: that, that we can't I don't know that I have here. much of a longer answer to give. Um, yes, because you saw the start of it with Atlantic City Open. I mean, there was already an organized play event there um, as part of that, um, that uh, convention, that, that event. Um, the only thing I could add to that, I guess, is to say that We're aware of the demand. I mean, this question came from somewhere and it's not the only time we've heard it. Um, We'd like to do is try and working with demo team, working with some of the folks who are, yourselves who are coming up with these rule sets to try and bake them into like a codified system. So it's not a, I'm hedging my words because not because I'm hiding something because we don't necessarily have all of the, the roadmap for this, uh, but making it in the way that other game systems have, you know, organized play rules as part of their their book, their core book, and can even add to that with other products that expand, you know, organized play. I mean, it's it's clearly the. Ne- I think it's clearly part of the phase two. Um, part of that growth of the line, but phase two. What- i'm trying to i'm trying to i'm trying to use your term which i assume game <laughs> yeah. we get to phase five or six or seven like marvel will be doing pretty great but um, <laughs> i think uh yeah i mean there, there's certainly it seems like a natural way to to grow we've got the pieces we've got the product it's in production consistently you know people are going to want to do something with all that product mm-hmm. um Especially with so, many, so it's so much easier to find a game to get a game going. there's so many more p- people actually playing the game, I and mean, we don't have data or anything but certainly anecdotally, I think we'd all say that seeing hearing running in Randall's case more games than ever before so. <laughs> yeah I, I ran a grind. i ran a grinder uh
4: That's what I was thinking of. last maybe a month or so ago now uh and it was over 50 players for like eight hours it was just amazing and i haven't seen anything like that in a store in decades so
5: yeah it was so far beyond anything we expected
7: yeah and ultimately like it's a game to be played right i mean it sounds kind of reductive and obvious but it's a game to be played and the fact that it's being played so much certainly would beg the question is there going to be a championship is there an organized version of this are you even trying to codify it or is it all going to be third party you know there's there's a lot to figure out there
2: it's interesting you mentioned phase 2 cuz that kind of rolls into my next question where is where is your vision for battletech in the next 5 years
5: in universe or real world
2: both obviously we know we can't you can't go into too much of the storyline but uh, I would say both both realms. Where is BattleTech? What's BattleTech going to look like in five years from now? Or do you? Um, what is, what's your goal? What, what are what are the goals that you have
4: for BattleTech? Man, got him. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, it's, just, it's, it's such a titanic question. Yeah. Um, I think one of my personal goals. Within the next two to three years, is to see Battletech really do what we've been able to do with Shadowrun, which is branch off into card games and board games. And yeah. so that, you know, no matter what type of game that you want to play in a given night, it can still be Battletech related. And we, for a lot of reasons, haven't quite been able to get there. Uh, usually because we just have so much work to feed the beast that (laughs) it has become. Uh, But I think that even outside of getting the mercenaries launched and, you know, continuing to get miniatures out the door and all of that, uh, I think really starting to branch Battletech into the wider market beyond just the miniatures game uh, would be a really good next step.
3: That's a great answer. Um, Yeah.
4: Because mine,
3: mine was a simple pat answer, and, and it's, it's simply that we're doing really well right now. I want to see that momentum continue. I, just, I would like to see us in this same sort of space, but with better resources so that we could do more and have things roll smoother than they are now. And Randall really hit that on the head. There's more that we want to do. Just like between the four of us, we can't do it all. Uh, I give you another pat answer. I, I I would like to see people playing in the universe, enjoying the fiction.
5: So, so
3: we um, it's interesting. We talk about
5: when we talk about resources. One of the things that Catalyst, one of the things Catalyst has done so incredibly well at, that um. We knew we needed to stay disciplined about focusing on was keeping reprints of of current core items in stock in stores. Like you've heard me say it before, when we when we read it, we wanted a twelve months straight of the core stuff on you know on store shelves, and that you know like you know, BattleTech had never had that. The sky's the limit at what we nobody even knows what that would do for the game, and what you're seeing now is what that would do for the game. Uh, and it's so easy for us uh, behind the curtain because we're all members of the creative team to get focused on the creative stuff. And yet it's, it's interesting how when we, you know, when, when Ray says, yeah, we just you know, limited on the resources, it's not necessarily the creative resources. It's the fact that most of the revenue coming in is getting pumped into putting up more stuff and keeping it constantly uh, you know, in production and shipping through all the craziness is good, that's happening right now with key, getting things in production and getting them shipped and stuff. So uh, I'm actually really glad that we are still kind of choking and not expanding beyond it because we still haven't hit that saturation point yet uh, on, on just how far the demand is. When we, when, you know, when we publish things and we intend it to, to be in stock for 18 months, and we sell out of that in 30 days, that means we have no accurate gauge on That's just right. what the demand is. What exactly. do stores, yeah. yeah. And when yeah. you sell out in 30 days, that means oh, there are a number of stores that didn't catch it the first time and they have just heard from all their fellow stores that, you know, that, oh man, this is selling great. I should order that and oh, and now it's out of stock again. Like getting to the point where those items are in stock and they are available, that is huge. So. Mm-hmm. Ray's focus is absolutely correct when he's talking about yeah, yeah. For a number of reasons, we we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves because if we pull resources away from keeping the pipeline primed,
7: we'll stumble. Well, mm-hmm. I, I I look at the the kind of inverse of this. Brent's exactly right, but I look at the the flip side of that, which is so the next five years there's still rough edges to be sanded. Right? There's always process improvement to be done, and that. There are two things I think of when I say that. One is, like I mentioned a minute ago with the rules and the way that the game is presented and the way it's picked up and played, there's still more. And Ray and I have talked about this many times. There's still more we can do to make that easier. There's stuff we have planned that will help ease that for players just getting started, right? Because that's the bulk of, I think, the current customer base is new or returning. And when I say returning, I don't mean after three years, like 15. Um, players that, that need some of that, that, um, you know, may not have a store that's running. It may not have people who know it inside and out. I don't make that easier, but to, to Brent's point, process improvement in terms of how we make things so that we can try and do somewhat of both better. You know, what, what it took to make these, these current source books was a lot. It was a lot. And I'm not saying that to be, you know, look how hard we worked. It's, it, it shouldn't have to be that way. And as we start codifying how we make things with our teams, with our contributors, you know, Jason and I have talked about this a lot in the last few months of literally building a blueprint so we can hand it to a developer and say, this is how you run a book. This is mm-hmm. the steps you take. This is what the spreadsheet looks like. This is how you assign things out at a very in the weeds level so that Ray and I don't have to be running each book, you know beginning to end, that we can turn more of that over, and that expands, that's where it ties into Brent's part of, you know, as the resource, we can do more with the resources we have, as a lot of resources are going to keep things in print, right? So when we are ready to do the next thing, we're not starting from this deficit of, we, nobody knows how to make anything, or only Rand and Randall you know, really know, or you know, we end up having to spin up the whole process. We, we have that in place.
0: That's Instead kind of a re, reinventing thing.
7: the template. You got a template ready to go. And you know, with Randall said earlier, with where the the line was, I think, you know, each each project was kind of just tackled anew, um, depending who was involved, what the product was, what was being made, or how. You know, the more you can standardize that stuff, the better. Y- you can use the people you have and, and get a consistently high quality too. You don't get so much of, Oh, that could have been better, but we ran out of time or it was already late. So we put, we shipped it like we don't generally do that. I don't think there's been a case where we shipped anything <laughs> was knowingly bad. Like have we, was, we ever done that? No but, it creates, no, but it creates a lot of load on the teams. It creates burnout. It creates a lot of like, you know, we can, we can, again, sanding, smoothing rough edges, process improvement, you know, really kind of unsexy stuff. but it, it, it's, it's interesting you, you
5: geared in on that because that's one of the interesting points about the new generation of source books that you guys were just asking about earlier. You know, like after there was Il uh, Ilklan, uh, Tamar, and then Empire. And, and I, I know that I've heard from a lot of fans that have said these books look different. The, you, you've got stuff in there we've never had. We've never had jump maps. We've never had j- just so many nuances of the way those are broken down. And that, thats totally uh, Ray and Aaron, to my knowledge, of of coming up with a new vision of what these source books should include
3: and how I, to bring that to life. Well, I, I think four of us here and Jason Smetzer, between the five of us, have really turned turned create something new with these with the style of these books.
7: Yeah, it all ties into playing the game. You have to have the stuff to play the game in these books. It can't mm-hmm. be the encyclopedia of the future history volume twenty seven plus ten tracks that <laughs> <laughs> may or may not work. Well, and well, project.
4: and to like, b- it's kind of fun uh, that some of the so like the the giant maps. Speaking of like painful, so. <laughs> Tamar Rising was like ready to go to print I think in like 10 days (laughs) I came to Ray and said hey I have this totally wacky idea and there was rightly push back on it not that it wasn't a cool idea but that it was supposed to go to print in 10 days and I just felt so strong about it I'm like you know what we're going to push this back two weeks and if if the boss comes down on me, I I will be the shield. I'll take it. But I feel so strongly that this map brings something that players have never had before. We're going to do it. And so it was just this crazy multi-day poor Dak. He is like a hero for these, that stupid map. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, then like the, the response has been fantastic. And it's like, Yeah, because that's what I wanted, right? Like, I'm you guys. I'm the fans. I wanted this. I thought this would be really cool. We've never had this before. But that's just sometimes that's how it plays out, right? That, like, you get these ideas. And that's why I was laughing earlier with Aaron. I'm like, have we ever done that? Because all too (laughs) often we are way too known for, like, hey, we got this cool idea. Let's cram it in there. And sometimes... it pays off in spades and i think the map thing is a great example of that uh sometimes maybe not so much and you know as aaron said we need to get a little better at how to allocate time for
9: that
7: i think the map was so well received because again it pushes i keep harping on this to playing the game
9: Yeah, absolutely
7: people to play it a lot of the stuff that's in these books is rules and not just rules but like Unit descriptions, personal, you know, we've always had personalities, like reports, but it's all the stuff you need to spin something out of. And we've, we've sent back unit descriptions. We've sent back personalities even that don't hook some kind of conflict into them. Like a a conflict you could play on a table. Interactive. Yeah, Yeah. If they're just Wikipedia entries, that may be super interesting. And maybe I write a shrapnel story out of it, but I can't make a game out of it. It doesn't yeah. feel as has that richness yeah. to it, which we're trying to bake into everything.
5: It needs to be playable.
4: Yeah. Well, and it was, it was also awesome because I started running a... Uh, until it all crashed and burned this summer because, you know, summer. But I started actually taking Tamar and running an in-store campaign every two weeks, right? And the first time the group started on this one planet and then decided to move and I literally brought the map out and put it the laminated map down and pulled out the dry race marker and I draw it and I put it over and like the whole table is just looking at it and they all look up at each other and the other guy's like it feels like I'm playing the computer game this is so awesome you know and you're like yes that's that's the thing that's what we're trying to do like Aaron said move it back to the table make it all about the game and playing at the table
9: when and I think that's one of the the uh I guess like gold nuggets of where the storyline is right now is um like we went from the end of civil war where it was it was like you guys were talking about regiment on regiment on regiment just huge massive battles and then the fast forward to dark age through a lot of people but now coming out of dark age we're still in that realm of small units can make a big difference yeah um but the technology is also still there. So you, we, we kind of get the best of both worlds where we, we don't have to play with industrial mechs. We get to play with, all, <laughs> you know, all the, the highest tech, most crazy rules you want to you want to try to cram into. You know, how many times you want to look at the rule book? We can make that happen. Um, but <laughs> you can still play it on the table. And, yeah. and that's yeah. really a great combination that's never been before.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I tortured my uh, players with, I think it's the crossbow E with the uh, 16 uh, AP Gauss rifles. Whoever came up with that is, should both be killed in praised because that thing is <laughs> disgusting. That is <laughs> so disgusting.
7: One of these days I'll have to show you Paul's crossbow that mounts nothing but rocket, like maximum number of rocket launchers. It's good for nice. one shot. Boy, it's a good shot. Like, yeah, yeah. One. That's a good shot. <laughs> are, you, are you stacking uh, PSRs? Because you got a plus 17 on your. Uh... <laughs>
4: <laughs> That's awesome. You,
5: you guys had asked like uh, where we see things in the next five years. There's another key component here that we haven't hit on. Uh, so I'll just throw it out. Uh, I don't know how well you guys have been um, kind of paying attention to the pulse of the importance of having novels and fiction going out for, for, for Battletech. Uh, we've, the, not only has, I'm like, John's done an amazing job. It's been so fun to see just how big the, the fiction side of, of the Battletech house has grown. Um, the fact that shrapnel's on, you know, issue 10 and just, uh, like the, the math on shrapnel, it's not dropping off. It, it's like it, it is actually under its own momentum it's carrying on it's picking up steam it's like there's so many cool elements about that but in five years i would love to see us uh get to the point where when we release a new fiction it comes out with the audiobook alongside it oh, because it, it, well? that that is a huge it is not easy logistically to get that to happen but oh my gosh if you can it, it is amazing um yeah and in sales of the audiobook side even though there's a very limited library of audiobooks currently available but the demand has been fantastic the numbers are all really good um so it's it's been really cool i you we've all you've heard me say multiple times in the past that uh uh, people don't fall in love with BattleTech for 35 years because they love a 2d6 system they (laughs) fall in love with the universe and the novels are just the best way to do that. So, um, seeing new fiction going out, the old fiction becoming available, having it accessible in both print and and electronic, and then adding in the audiobook point, point to that, and then releasing those side by side instead of the long delay for audios. Uh, I think that's actually going to be a thing long term, five years down the road. That is certainly achievable, um, and that it will do really, really well for the fan base of people that, you know, hey, I just got a new player and he wants to know what it's like. You're not going to hand him a set of rule books. You're going to say, read this novel. Um, And having novels be accessible in all those forms will be perfect.
2: That actually brings up a question that we have uh, discussed on the podcast a couple of times is the release of the fictional book and the source book and which order should that go in or, or how they go in.
7: It, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be seen as like the novelization of the source book though look at redemption rights and empire alone right that was intentionally done so that i mean the source book writers were told don't tell jason's story right you can work around it you know there's yep. certainly the dragoons are in empire alone mm-hmm. they're you know they do things but jason's book is jason's book i mean they're 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 separate media they're they're yep. they're not know no
1: no but i like i like the fact that they're hand in hand right yeah you there is there's deeper understanding of what's happening by consuming both
7: but they also don't rely on one another right rights came out before empire alone and i don't think anyone read empire alone was like i've read this same by the same token question of survival i guess it spoils some of dominions but you know there's more but, in Dominions than what you're seeing In, in Survival and in fact right. you only hints at Things in there so I
6: I think, Right I, I think
7: so. that whole novel Which tells a lot of the Story of those
3: two source books Really just comes from a half a page Of one source book and a paragraph in the Other yeah and that like, That was another thing we had To fight for
7: because yep. going Into this remember this hasn't been done In like 30 years 25 years he said Twilight of the Clans was the last time there was like... Twilight of the Clans. That kind of integration. Yeah. That's a while. Wow. And you have the Twilight of the Clans sourcebook, yeah.
3: right? Which details all that. So they're not completely married in that fashion. We want to be able to tell interesting stories from the sourcebooks because, again, what the sourcebooks do for the game is you you focus on this one thing in this paragraph and say, hey, I want to play that. I want to base my campaign around that. I want to be part of that little snippet. Of this whole thing, and that's where the story should be coming from too.
0: I, I agree uh, with that because every time I looked in a source book, like even invading clans, I'd look at what's the battle look like, what kind of units do they have, what's the scenario like, the terrain, the weather. People can blow that up, and then, mm-hmm. like you said, make stories out of every one of those.
5: Yep. Yeah, and, and that's the point. If you look at source, like even Shattered Fortress is a perfect example. The Shattered Fortress was not a big product, and, and that spun out uh, Anvil and at least two, two uh, pieces of fiction on their own, and maybe a third. But you just think about, like, there there's so many times that those source books, they're not just one story. They're the groundwork for what you need to play with events that happened here, but there can be very many excellent stories that come out of those.
2: Right. I think yeah, our conversation it. was... Specifically was when the when the novel came out before the source book, it gave us a little taste yeah. of what will be in the source book. In reverse, when we got the source book first, it almost not necessarily spoiled the fiction, but it was like, well, we got a synopsis of what's going to go in the book instead of vice versa. We 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 got the entire yeah, story.
7: But it depends how closely linked they are. Right. right. Like I don't I don't think if you reversed redemption rights and empire alone, you would read rights again and say, like, oh, well, I already know about this because it wasn't in the book. It was specifically not in the source book. Not in it. So, yep. I mean, you're, y- there's definitely, there's, it that takes a lot of coordination, a- but there's, you know, to Brent's point, it, it helps us when back to what we said a while, hours ago at this point. Uh, <laughs> people, <laughs> you know, authors who want to, take the wheel and drive the, the overarching plot. Look at these source books and tell me, I mean, there's not ideas in yeah. there. Like in all these pages, you have to be the one that's like at the bleeding edge saying what happens next. No, go back to these. There's so many hooks in there. There's mm-hmm. so many stories there's, and the source books are not some Jason harps on a lot and he's right. The source books are not all encompassing. It's not everything that happened in that area of space, in that time frame. It's, Some of the stuff that happened, some of the things that we thought were important, but not like they're not all, they're not (laughs) comprehensive. It sounds obvious, but I I feel we end up reminding people of that. That well, it wasn't in the source book in in the Lion Commonwealth in thirty-one fifty-one. What's that, right?
3: No, no, that comes up in fact check constantly. That well,
7: it wasn't in the book. Well, neither was what I had for breakfast. And happens, but the, I, but you know, I think that, but I, that, but that comes from
4: the if you're long in the tooth, yes. uh-huh. you were you were trained in that, right? That's like right. the yeah. th- thinking of the two four succession wars NAS military atlases, atlases which you yeah. know I, de- I devoured endlessly, mm-hmm. and they absolutely portrayed themselves as this is every single thing that happened during the four succession war. No, no. So I it was kind of they- trained that way to think is that it? way. And, and you're yes. right. I, uh, now is the right way to be doing it this way. But I can see it's going to take a little bit of time for those that have done it, have been around this long to get used to this idea that it's, it's not all encompassing.
3: And that's, that's something that we've discussed as well. It's not just training our, our, our creatives, but retraining longtime fans yep. of how we're producing this what is that? That's yeah. one of the... The Bunker. The Bunker? Yep. Right, cool.
9: Nice. Was, nice. When that was uh, part of... Because part of our thing was uh, speculation, right? Because uh, uh, before uh, Question of Survival dropped, we we all kind of assumed it was a Jade Falcon book.
6: Mm-hmm. So
9: then it was going to be more contained within Tamar, whereas it, it told... B- both sides of this or both sides, much more than what we anticipated. So then it turned into kind of a fleshing out of one story and then a teasing of the other side. So it it's, that was really, really interesting, right. but. And Brian challenged us on that point.
7: I remember distinctly when he was on that call, right, right. He said, like, I don't want to tell a story that's already been told. Like he, mm-hmm. and I don't blame him at all. I did told him at the time, like, I get it. You don't want to just. There's got to be a little something in there that feels, if not new, uncu- at least not previously covered, mm-hmm. you know. And he, that's oh, yeah. exactly how it played out. Well, it's funny that
4: <clears throat> I think almost any author has that, right? Like when I, <laughs> all those years ago when I started the Foundation of the Clans series, there was very little actually written <laughs> about what went on there. And by the time I get to doing this third book, there's now been a ton written. And so there was absolutely like these moments of like, how do I match all the continuity? Because I love continuity, but how do I still make the story my own?
2: Yep. Uh, question from one of the Patreons, uh, again, BB, uh, Andrew Bethards. If you could change one thing in Battletech, what would it be? <laughs>
4: In universe, no, uh, one. In real life. So I only get, I know exactly what I would change in a heartbeat. Uh, that uh, on the rules side, not the universe side. Uh, right, look, can, that, can
1: I jump in? Because I think I asked this question at KerenskyCon.
4: Yeah. <laughs> what what what's my answer going to be? I
1: know. Uh, with how mechs degra- uh, degrade instead of get better. Right? As they no, lose no, armor? No,
4: no, that's, no. That's, uh, uh, that's Jordan. That was Jordan's. That was Jordan's. <laughs> that was Jordan's. Mine, so I totally get why he does that, but his requires a massive change, whereas mine is an incredibly simple change, which is to that uh, double heat sinks are not allowed in an engine. ha! <laughs> Yeah, a small change. (laughs) One small change. So here's the thing, right? We all know that a weapon system has seven stats. And if you had tweaked four of those, even three of them, it would have been significantly powerful. And the clans come in, and not only did they tweak all seven, Mm -hmm. but they massively changed them, right? Right. So the power difference I mean again I understand wanting to create this cool new thing, but the power difference was so massively titanic. You know, I get I've I've had players that will come up to us and will be like, you know, that heavy Gauss rifle that you guys created is just too gross and it's broken or this thing or that thing, and I will always push back that either the clan Air PPC or Clan Large Pulse Laser is still the most powerful weapon in the entire game there's yep. Paul laser. and, and so Agreed. you, yeah, right. So the, not I only think do you the, get the think, range <laughs> of
0: the power, but you get the negative modifier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep.
4: But it, it, yeah, and and again, not only do you get all of that, but then you have twenty free heat sinks, right? And so I think just that one tweak would be such a small change, and oh, all many- the difference the difference it would make.
1: How many designs would be not invalidated, but would need to be reworked?
4: That I haven't actually looked into. But I do know surprised. that it, 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 that. it would just <laughs> well. <laughs> that is a, that is a very true question. Uh, but a- no, the, for for my mind that, and so like like the the uh, another part of the problem is that the fiction of what the clans are is not reflected in their weaponry. The clans are these brutal, in-your-face, superb warriors. Yet, if I'm playing, Mm -hmm. back in the day when I, you know, cheesed everything out, I'm going to play with rolling maps, and I'm going to get my Fire Falcon B, and I'm simply going to walk backwards faster than two-thirds of the Inner Sphere can run forward... And I'm just going to call you up with my ear large lasers and the game's already over, right? Yep. Like that is so antithetical to what the clans are,
7: but that's what their weapons allow. You mean, you mean uh, calculating range bands
8: is not a... <laughs> <laughs> the exactly, part of the right? Game. So,
7: <laughs> so
4: like the, when we came up with the, the heavy lar- When Brian and I did the heavy large lasers in the Fieldbane Crusader clans... It was specifically to kind of recapture that flavor of getting close and then like have a lot of really good power when you do that, uh, and so and yeah. heat absolutely. So yeah, Just so that, add- that that would be that would be, my, that would be my one game change thing I would do.
2: Just add uh, fusion engine degradation, and every mech uh, before thirty one hundred has uh, starts with plus ten heat.
4: that's a whole other (laughs) that's another discussion that'll take another 10 hours yeah exactly
7: (laughs) anybody else would be the distance the way that jumps work and the distance involved i understand it's like a conceit of the universe from the start but it's not for a hard science universe it was still made up i mean the idea of a 30 light year jump range and all that as much as I say a while back, we enforce this and we try and really make people stick to it and what they're writing, it's exhausting. It's really, and I'm not saying we need warp, I'm not saying we need Star Trek warp speed where you can just see somebody up ahead or whatever at warp speed and catch them or something. But the idea of taking months and weeks and it, it does warp, I think, storytelling in a way it warps it more than it benefits it. Um, Ray, Randall, you guess my what what Bill Keith had to do with his last book to make that work. Yeah. Yeah. And like yeah. the jump I mean these yeah. torturous amounts of math to figure out like recharge times versus transit times, or right? that's not that's all made up. It's all made up. It didn't have to be made that way. The gray death, the charging station, the fighters. Right, in a hard place. Yeah. The, yep.
0: the, that was a great example of wow. <laughs>
7: Well, sure, wow, but it also prompted like an unnecessary amount of development, time and effort to like make it work. Yep. And well, that's, what, that's... I mean, it is what it is now. We talk about things you would change if you could. Well, I mean. Yeah. We could... yeah. It, well, that was the No, question. you're right. What would you change? If you could? Yeah, what would you change? You Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I get it. We stick to it and we make people stick to it. But every time somebody says, sorry, that doesn't work because it's six months away. <laughs> All right. Tear up that oh, section yeah. a little bit.
9: well well, that's the the hard piece of trying to uh thread the needle right because rock in a hard place was a a very um is a very specific story because it's wedged right in right between very well-known events so it has to work on a timeline and it so then it, like, it limits how far can you go and how long can they spend there and all of that stuff.
7: But, and, the way emanate, and the way information disseminates, right? Transit times only be or transit times, travel times only become a problem if you, like, say, destroy the communications network. And who would do that? <laughs> Once you've well, done I mean, that, you, now you've got problems because nothing can react in any meaningful
2: like, time period.
7: A thrust yeah. like what Alaric did takes... No wonder he brought the whole clan. He would have almost had to. <laughs> He's yeah. still rolling that way. Because how else would you coordinate? Yeah, you, you could go that direction and pick up everyone you, you come across. There's no way to call ahead.
5: Okay. So my answer to the question is going to go a different direction. Ooh. I think, uh, especially pre-clan invasion, infantry were way too powerful. I don't think a rifle squad of infantry should ever be able to do 15 points of damage, and I don't care if they're in one hex away. 15 points of damage was way too much, especially for how hard it was for mechs to do damage to infantry. It meant that it forced Mex to run away from infantry. I think that rule right there broke the game.
9: Brent, did you design the piranha? <laughs>
4: No, uh, oh. I, I loved it though I
9: was
4: really <laughs> Well, well, interestingly enough, when i when I did total warfare, the changes that I made to a lot of the weaponry, particular like machine guns and flamers, was both to tone down infantry, but also to better reflect the fiction, right? The fiction has always talked about how machine guns and flamers, like infantry are terrified of them. Mm-hmm. And back before total warfare, I'm like, you kidding? I'm going to throw a PPC at them? Like it's the only way to get get rid of them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I I totally see where Brent's coming from there.
3: Ray, uh, Randall had some pretty specific points, but for me, it's the clans in general, the way they were introduced, and and a, a lot about them. I, I can't pick one specific thing. The the tech, the idea that their defining feature on the table is they're better, period. That, that's busted right out of the gate. But just so much about how they were introduced, the fact that we had the five houses, and you get the four invading clans, great, but there's, there's actually 20 of them. Yeah. Okay, so people want to know all 20, and everybody's going to pick one of them. Suddenly we have two dozen factions that we have to, you know, everybody wants a piece of them just like we have you know the periphery powers we've got um just uh, the clans in general not that i would get uh, look- rid of them or 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 if i went back i would get rid of them just the, the everything about them i would i would i would tweak so they work in the game in the universe tone them down yeah. a lot
4: yeah i think well and it's I think Ray and I are very close on this same page, is that there is a lot to love about the clans. Heck, I I think I've written most of my novels about the clans. So there's a lot really to love. But yeah, they just, they make the universe a lot more complex. And they're just harder to deal with. And they're, you know, for, you know, just as a really funny aside, so we're starting the Field Manual series at FASA. We're finally going to get the clans and the two clan books are already the biggest field manuals. And Brian's like dividing and we're having discussions. And finally Brian's like, we have to get rid of one of the clans, right? Like it just doesn't fit. It will make the book too big. (laughs) You know, budgets won't allow for it. And what we're gonna and and ultimately his decision was, and you know what the Burrock is just a stupid name so they're the ones that are dying. <laughs> you authors figure out how are they dying and so it literally was left Throne up dark. to us so so I were I worked with Chris Trosten to come up um, with the star adders and the Burrocks and and the uh, blood, blood spirits through. and that whole little war that happened that uh, that got them absorbed. that's why that happened thats I had never heard that
6: story. I,
3: I never heard that
4: story. I've never yeah.
6: heard
3: of that either. That's
4: awesome. So it's it, amazing. It, 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 it
6: yeah.
4: is a super behind-the-scenes look at how they just make it more complex because there's just so much, and how do you cover it all appropriately? And oh. uh, my,
1: my big issue with the clans is, and what you guys have talked about today too, was is that they were so hard to translate to the table. Right, yeah. the, the one gimmick or the one mechanic to try and make them be even on the table was Zellbriggen. but it was Zelbrigan was
6: broken. It doesn't you couldn't do
1: Zellbriggen to to make it work? So it's a, it's a flavor
7: solution. It's a flavor solution to a mechanical problem.
4: Yeah, yeah. It's so, well, my
7: favorite.
4: My it's favorite actually, story about Zelbrigan is we're playing it for the very first time. All of us are excited to be throwing this, you know, insane power onto the table. And, of course, it's at the very beginning, so there wasn't even gradation of Zobrigan. It was, you're just top-of-the-line Zobrigan. That's it. And so I'm walking on the board, and I got my Daishi as my commander, and Steve, who immediately could see the flaws, ran his spider up... And fired on my Daishi and then ran away and hid. And And then carefully made sure that none of the other Inner Sphere mechs fired on the Daishi. And of course, he wiped me out because he just nullified a giant chunk of my power. And so it was. And then we're all staring at each other like totally deflated, right? Because the idea (laughs) of Zelbriggan is really cool. And we realized that it was utterly worthless in the game.
7: We we redid the clan honor rule. I I did a polish of the clan honor rules for the box set, the invasion box set.
6: Mm-hmm.
7: And we tried we wrote that example in as being one where the clan warrior the clan warrior has to be able to declare that duel invalid because you're not fighting. You're yeah. running. Right. And that kind of stuff is still just flavor fixes, right? Or the idea that it's a just clan flavor warrior, fixes, yep. That's right. And a clan warrior and a daishi should be bidding weapons away. I bid away my AC twenty. I bid away my whatever, yeah. you know, or challenging multiple mechs if they're going to use all their weapons. You, you, and you that are a third of my weight. But again, flavor. Yeah. It's all just fla- it's role playing, ultimately. And a well, lot of and, wargamers and, and, don't come to the table saying, "I'm going to role play how my warrior yeah. would would do." You're <laughs> wargamers. This is my miniature. These are the stats. Let's play. Not here's what my guy would really think about your challenge. Like that doesn't, that's not a natural uh, move. I just yep. feel this. I, I dislike it immensely. It doesn't work. It's I favorite. would like
5: to go on record that I have no problem with just how OP all the clans were. I thought that was great.
7: <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> Honestly, I'm not even being sarcastic. I'm totally serious. Send your
7: letters to the following address. <laughs>
4: <laughs> when, well, I think- it's, it's, it's funny because they, you know, they facet self, sometimes knew that they made mistakes. So early on, one of the first times where I almost like threw up my arms and wanted to quit the game is 2750 technical readout came out. Of course, this is back when there were you immediately designed your design and then took that to the field. We played that way all the time. And, of course, Manu immediately makes a Gausszilla, and in 2750 it doesn't explode. And it actually even has two more shots per round, and so he just annihilated me. And I was like, "I'm like, they, you just broke the game. What did you guys do? I don't understand." Um, mm-hmm. And so by the next year, they came out with the compendium, and they had fixed that because they realized, "Oops." Um, oh. But I'm willing. But you talk to them about the clans, and they will all go, "Yeah, oops." <laughs> But it Randall. went so big,
7: so fast that they couldn't. They yeah. couldn't. You know, they were stuck. Randall, I don't know if it was you or Paul, maybe, or maybe I just picked this up somewhere that once told me that it's an issue that they didn't think this was going to be a forty-year kind of game.
6: Yeah, <laughs> that they invented. Oh, no, that's
4: before.
7: That's, that's absolutely part of it. No,
4: Mort, Mort Wiseman, who is Jordan Wiseman's father, likes to make the joke that. They were, you know, this is when uh, Star Trek was their main line. Mm -hmm. And then they were just putting out a whole bunch of games, like they did a Top Gun game and a a whole series of uh, Clavel games. And so Battletech was just a board game that they put out and they were off doing other things. And suddenly it was exploding and like they could not crap out. X tech box sets fast enough for the next couple of years, right? Like, they just, they had no idea. And, and it's actually kind of, I think, miraculous and a wonderful testament to Jordan and Ross that the core of the game, 40 years later, is almost unchanged and is still really fun to play. Like, that's really amazing. Yeah,
2: and it's a testament to Battletech.
4: Yep. Well, and it's also a testament to, like, the Baltic fans, right? Like just this game is here and we are here because of the Baltic fans, particularly during the dark days, the yeah, guys the that, f- this game the, alive. The, the, the guys that kept this alive and kept that little blip on the monitor. Uh, you know, I, I can't say thank you enough to, that you guys got us here. Like we, we, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing without you guys helping us get here.
8: So to
1: follow on with, uh, you know, changing rules or uh, overpowered. What for each of you? you know, I mean, I'm assuming you guys all roll dice. For you, what is the most broken mech? What What is the mech that is like
4: OP? The, um... I would I would say one of the most overpowered and really just boring mechs to play is the Hellstar.
7: The That's yeah. going my answer too. And you made I it. knew yeah. that I was
4: gonna be on the list. Yeah. It's it's just it's so stupidly powerful and it's just
7: boring. There's no decision just, making. There's no decision exactly. making. I fire, fire my three or four. How many of my firings did I run? There <laughs> are my four
4: PPCs, right? Like well, let's be clear. Uh,
5: if you were piloting a mech in the universe, it would be great.
4: Oh, sure, but that's not what this is about. It's
5: it's under the idea of, as a game where you try to balance things, there's no
4: balancing this thing. Yeah, No, it's just a beast. Now, there's a couple other designs that are incredibly powerful, but at least have a lot of cool decision-making. Like, I can remember the first years, like in 94, 95, when I went to Gen Con before I was working in the industry, playing in the Battletech Open... And it was the year or two after 3055 came out. And it was just a sea of goshawks, right? Like just vapor <laughs> eagles as far as the eye can see. That's a really good mech, right? But there's lots of cool things you can do with it. There's different decisions to make. And, but it's quite a powerful mech.
0: Absolutely. Um, a lot of speed. Decent armor. Great weaponry. Targeting computer. Yep. But it's got a mix where it could be a city fighter, it could be anything yeah.
4: Fire so personal for for me i I mean really I, you know again, I love battletech, so I'll play anything hand, hand me any mech and I'll throw it on the table and play. but as those who have fought me at Masters of minions know like the seven k Phoenix Hawk is just my total go to in fact, I'm not playing that this year, and it just feels really weird. Hmm. <laughs> um, because I love the I love the knife fight, right? The 699 of the Phoenix Hawk with that snubby PPC. That's just so ridiculously fun to just constantly knife you and you have a hard time touching me. Like that to me is really fun way to play. I had,
1: I had that mech in my 8K when we were playing that. And I think in four games, that mech... Took out three assaults itself.
4: Yeah. From, it's just from, from it, a it, single
1: headshot and rolling the yeah. crit and
5: getting that three.
4: If you have the patience to use it right, it is just ruthless. It's yeah. Powerful. I think there's
5: three other mechs that come to mind that are in the same kind of vein. Uh, one is the Wolfen, the, the 10, 15, 10, but it's got masks so it can run 20. Uh, you've got, um, the Dola with the vibro blade, you know, if you win command, you just jump behind, whack him with the sword. And if you lose command, you jump away and you just, it's so hard to counter. Um, but once again, just like you said, they're knife fighters, uh, the gunsmith glorious little, little mech, super fast run behind you, blast you with, with pulse lasers. You killed Austin on the first round with that thing. So, uh, Those are big ones. But I will say, though, the one that stuck in my craw the most, as a guy who designs mechs that do these things, the one that stuck in my craw the most was the Rakura Kubi. Anytime a light mech can take an AC-20 to an arm and you're still not even rolling for crits. I'm just like, it just killed me. (laughs) They're awesome.
4: That's fun. Oh, yeah. Turkina's a beast.
9: Yep.
7: I think the meta matters on some of these mechs, right? And what I mean is, like, there's individual stuff in the rec guide that I would think is a little broken. But when you're playing alongside other rec guide, like newer designs, it doesn't feel so bad. Right. The one that I think of that's just doing things that I don't think Battletech should be doing is, like, the Celerity X. hmm The drone yeah. one with spikes and impact-resistant armor. I get it. I get it, but that's to me like that's not a, the the game. That's just no. not the game.
5: No, that's a one trick pony that you
7: get to you get away with once. That's right, and but even to get hit by it, like look, you head shoot my Mac on a lucky roll. It's the dice that happens. It's happened many 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 times. The celerity getting hit by that is like a feel bad. Like oh, so you, you have this, this really niche design using certain <laughs> technologies that just blows a hole. It's great in the fiction. Um and it's a drone, right? It's yeah. a drone. Yeah, it's the drone. You don't man. even get
5: the satisfaction of getting beaten by a by no. another warrior. You just got beat by a drone. Well
7: you know, unfortunately it's it's, it's, it's costed, fast. you know, good thing the B V on it is so high. Oh wait it's 220 B V.
2: Yeah it's not expensive.
7: <laughs> it's <crazy laughs> and that's what I mean. That's what I mean when that's not the game to me. That's just not the yeah. game. Like that's not what we're here to yeah. do. But we yeah, yeah, no,
5: I will say one of the worst experience I had beating somebody was that year with Masters and Minions where we had the Word of Blake units.
4: Oh, man. And,
5: and the other side picked a swamp map.
4: <laughs> the uh, the Bixbys were in that.
5: The Bixbys, yeah, and Jennifer Bixby. Uh, picked a uh, so, uh, they had uh, two credits. Uh, we've never beaten anybody that bad, ever. It 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 was... Uh, it was embarrassing. It, we felt so awful for it, but there was just,
0: yeah. You just gave your mechs away then.
4: <laughs> Both, yep. it, it, oh, we did. We did. Uh, but yeah, that's, it's not off. Like, I, I'm not going to like sit there and crow that I beat you, but I'm yeah. here to win, right? And I, I I'm totally going to beat you if I can beat you. But but yeah, I'm with Brent. That it was just so bad. That we're looking at each other like I just feel terrible. Like this is yeah, all like, The rounds were going like, super
5: fast because they couldn't fire.
6: Like I'm they sorry. Couldn't, they couldn't. And
4: we And, and, and all, all of our C3 ice stuff was just so powerful. Oh. Yeah, I think we were hitting on
5: sixes and they to 15s. Oh, uh, I think yeah. by the fourth round we were looking at it's it like can we throw this? Are we like almost <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh,
0: yeah,
4: I to that die. was oh. that. That was just terrible.
1: It sounds a lot like our last Minsters and Minions game against uh, Craig Goolidge and uh, Augustine. We no. had no, we had no business being on that map. It was it was a squatter.
2: Speaking of broken, this is good, this is the last Patreon question from Robert Carpenter. Are you guys sick and tired of being asked about Clan Wolverine? <laughs> If they were important <laughs> to the universe, they would have shown up already.
5: <laughs> I no, because the question kind of feels like people who love the urban mech. You know, just...
4: <laughs>
6: There's a fan base. Just, just
4: why it people do it. Yeah, uh, Ray,
6: uh, Ray?
4: And, well, and, no, I was just to say, I'm, I'm very much with Brent. Uh, I'm not tired of it, because it's just... You know, it, it, I, I love that this universe is so big and massive as much as it is can be a giant pain to work with. <laughs> um, that you can, in fact, find all of these wonderful things to glom onto and, and to love. And you know, like I said, the the fact that you read the House Cur to Source book back in the day, and they're just throwing seeds out all over the place. And no one, you know, all of them are like Minnesota tribe. That's what everyone went nuts about. Like, what, what? How does that work? And that, I just love that. Or the way that a creative exercise creates an organic, unexpected response from a fan base, and that that I really love.
7: I never get tired of seeing the light go out of people's eyes when Rare I tell them that we're never going to answer that and that it's done. That's what I love. Um, That's my
3: favorite
6: favorite thing is
2: because you guys keep dropping Mm -hmm. the name in there every once in a while, even though we all know that it's (laughs) never going to happen.
7: I mean, if somebody puts it in fiction because, like in Randall's book, it's set back then, that's one thing. But I have have said this before it's like a full metal jacket thing. Any answer we give will be wrong. So I'm not, why would we give one? It's just, so it's going to, I'm serious. It's going to disappoint somebody. It's not going to be the right yeah. answer. It's going to piss them off. It's going to be such you know, a the, letdown for all the years of whatever. The they didn't Have their pet
4: theory. Yeah. Forget it. It's done. The, the joke that Stackpole and I have had running for, that actually started with Brian and Stackpole is that Clint Wolverine is off holding the aliens out. And that's, yeah. <laughs> sure. But that's where it ends. You can't but, but say I...
7: that to Wolverine fans because they will fucking believe it. <laughs> they found to hey, another but... galaxy. The Clan Warriors became <laughs> Marines, Space Marines, you might say. Yeah. And <laughs> that's where they went.
9: There's a whole game about it. You
7: check it out. That'll be the next
9: CSO,
0: like Camouflage.
9: You know that, matchup. I, I do like though that the, the Wolverines exist, and they're just brought up. You know, like they're just enough on people's minds where they're 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 a periphery boogeyman. Have you forgotten? You know, yeah. yet? No? But like like in the universe, everybody can go. What did that? I don't know. It could have been a that Wolverine? Minnesota tribe that rolled through here. I don't know. You know, and everybody just yeah. wonders. Nobody gets in to space, know for sure.
2: <laughs> can I can yeah. I propose that next year's Campbell Specs diorama is actual Clan Wolverine fighting aliens?
0: <laughs> the
6: t- the
4: <laughs> with the Can little please thing. make that a thing. No, with a little no. Gene Cast in there, please, Ray.
6: Yeah, <laughs> see, that was
1: that was always my take on the Gene Cast. Was that was that was the way to introduce aliens
2: and habits to be battle. I already know <laughs> no, two that, Camo it's... Spec artists that would be all about it. <laughs>
4: okay. No, well, no, I, I gene, just Gene Cast absolutely was my attempt to to do exactly that, to bring aliens in and still keep it Battletech.
6: Yeah.
9: No, but I, I, yeah, no, Seen a bunch of, uh, like, uh, golden century mechs slaughtering, like, little uh, uh, ostrich-looking to would be pretty hilarious. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. That would be...
2: Space dinosaurs, something like that. Uh, I,
4: I, I think we have next year's uh, April Fool's.
9: <laughs> it, it, it'll be like the Great Emu War, only in space.
0: <laughs> Security mechs that guard the zoo. Actually, right. we had
5: a joke yesterday during the BattleTech meeting. Uh Run invading the BattleTech universe, and I thought that mm. would be the, the April Fools for next year. <laughs> that it would was, be a good one. Was
7: a crossover a while ago, wasn't there? Oh, well, there was the ba- Battle Run. run. Battle run. Yeah, that ad actually was incredibly
4: well received. It was really funny. Oh, (laughs) so ridiculously funny!
9: (laughs) So, uh, what what are you guys looking forward to? And I know I'm not. This isn't a uh, spoiler or anything dig, but um what are you looking forward to most for the universe? Like is there certain products that are have been announced that you're really excited to see come out or like in universe events or you know like things are gonna be revealed in whatever product. Is there like a certain thing that you're like, man when that comes out that's gonna be that's gonna be awesome.
5: There's not just one for any of us. There's multiple. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um we're still we're still trying to wrap up the whole phase one with these regional books. And everyone that drops, we're really excited and, and on our toes about um, the uh, the books that have been announced. Um, we're excited for Brush uh, Horse. If, if we could ever get that going, yeah, we've
7: been wanting it's to going, do that. It's going. It's going great. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <going. Don't> worry <laughs> <of mine. laughs> well, I would
4: well, say are you? one are of the you? ones. I would say one of the ones that I'm most excited about is the universe book. And the reason I'm excited about that is, and I don't know if Ray's going to blame me or I blame him or it's both our faults. Um, But we Ray had this vision of, Hey, wouldn't it be great if we reached out to some of the authors and artists that have been working on Battletech forever and have them write up a little, little small paragraph about what Battletech means to them, and we can put it in this book, right? And then, as usual, uh, we go crazy, and then I go crazy. It's snowballs. And and suddenly, we have over 50 entries from authors and artists and presidents and editors, writers, going all the way back. To the very beginning, including people like uh, Dietrich, who is, you know, in his 80s now, has a hard time drawing anymore because he's in his 80s. And he's all like, oh, I love doing that so much. Do you mind if I maybe do like a new illustration for you guys? (laughs) You know, I'm like, no, we wouldn't want that. No, don't don't (laughs) don't do that. Don't send that to us and and reading i kid you not i don't care how hard willed you never cry you will get misty eyed reading some of these entries yeah like it is awesome. it is a, it is astonishing and so i think i think that actually brings a chapter out to the fans that they've never really seen before and i think it would just be a whole wonderful experience
3: and the uh the, the struggle is now that we've gotten all this and it's snowballed, it, it's almost, I don't know thematically how it works in this book.
4: Yeah. Um, I think we figured out a pretty good way to do it though.
0: Y- yeah. Yeah. The Battletech coffee
3: table book. Uh, there you go. That's there you go. the, that's the universe calendar. book. I need to outlive the universe book. I need to make sure it get <laughs> <laughs>
7: And that me. will be huge, huge,
3: huge. <laughs>
7: that's, I mean, I'll tell you, I'm excited about the next thing. It's such a cop out answer, but like the thing that we're starting to work on is mm-hmm. just starting to gestate. I'm actually, re- I mean, I'm excited about all the stuff we've put out. Honestly, as Brent said, there's no one thing, but you know, we've got this idea for the kind of the next phase of the storyline that is, I think, going to be really cool. And I'm excited to see what, you know, from the initial idea, what people bring to it how it'll shape up and change and evolve and come out different. uh,
3: What's that? It was actually a question they had on the agenda, but they nixed it.
6: Well, 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 that's
3: my answer too. Same as Aaron.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Just to be clear, like this (laughs) universe book was supposed to go to print a year ago. Yeah. So poor Ray has been getting beat up by this thing for a year. <laughs> so that's why he's like, "Yeah, it's the same answer." as I. he's like, "Please get <laughs> <him." laughs>
3: Testing wills. You're gonna." Every make it time fun. it comes up, Brent's like, "But, but that went to press, and I just died yeah. a little it, bit inside."
5: My team deadlines for bit. that were August of 2021. How is <laughs> yeah. that not in print?
9: So, kind of on the the reverse of that question, what product? Like, what project that you had a hand in are you most proud of?
5: Oh, man. You know, it. Wow, that's tough. That's really tough. The uh, first one that comes to mind, uh, because it was just an, an epic piece of awesome storytelling, uh, is uh, Wars of Reading. Uh, there, there was something magic about that one. Won an Origins Award. <laughs> Which is the obvious high point of any product? Well, <laughs> I...
2: yes, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm incredibly
5: were. proud of uh, uh, Ill Clan: The Invasion of Terra, mostly because we got through the story that nobody could figure out how to get through.
4: That
2: had to be mm-hmm. a tough one. It, it was incredibly um, tough. unbelievable.
4: I would say the thing I'm probably most proud of is actually being a part of the team helping to do the redesign of all these miniatures. Mm. Like, yeah, you know, thi- th- thinking back, you know, four and five years ago, almost six years ago, I think at this point, yeah, where Battle... You know, I kid you not, guys, Battletech was dead. Like, it just it was so <laughs> in trouble and we're like, what can we do? And obviously we've done the project Phoenix and every year, every company involved in BattleTech is having discussions about, well, now do we redesign now do we do it and what's it going to take to do it? And the fact that like everybody forgets, or I think most forget that like all of the redesign work that, uh, MechWarrior Online did, that then went into the Harebrain Schemes BattleTech, that they got all their redesigns back. All of that happened because we... Pushed them. Because we did it. Because we said, we're going to do it. And we simply did it, and we put it out there, and everyone held their breath waiting for a certain company to come devour. And then they went ahead and jumped on the bandwagon anyways. And then by the time the company came to devour it all crashed down on them and they, you know, they got slapped super hard, which was awesome for everybody. Uh, but I just think it's important to remember that
5: that it's important to remember when that was happening gang. (laughs) Like what literally when we were behind closed doors, making the call on whether to to take this gamble, we we were betting the company. We we literally convinced Lauren to bet the company. And it, it, it was a huge risk. This was, we were not. We were fighting the math every way on
4: that. Yeah, and so I, I think that's probably... Again, I have many highlights. Like, I kid you not, I'm going to hold uh, book three at Gen Con in my hands, uh, found, Foundation, and cry a little. <laughs> okay. I was so proud to finally get that stupid book out. But I think just being able to, like I said, being able to go into... I mean, obviously, at the end of the day, I love having a job and I love getting paid. But I love this universe, and I love having other people love this universe. And three to five years ago, I would walk into Zulu's, who's our local game store, and there'd be no one playing at all, ever. And two months ago, i walk in and I'm running a 50-person game, and I'm doing another grinder in like a month or two, and we're all pretty confident that it might even double, right? Like that's that's just so amazing. That's just so fantastic. And to be a part of this incredible team that helped make that happen, and and to have connected so well with the like, uh, Brent was saying, having the Kickstarter that allows us to connect with you guys in exactly in this way, that yeah. creates this amazing synergy. That's all just astonishing. You know, we're so, I, I'm literally sitting here in my ridiculously hot house, walking around the room talking about battletech for five hours, and I'm having a blast. It's like fantastic. <laughs> right? Good. And so that's that's just incredible. Yeah.
0: Well, I think we'll probably uh, move on to some shoutouts unless we're going to go through um, upcoming events.:
2: I think the real only big upcoming event is uh, Gen Con, Battle yeah. Barn, uh, two weeks. I am praying I have this edited in time to uh, let everybody enjoy it on the ride ride to Indianapolis. So it like will be all, done. It all will be shtick done. the stick
9: won't work if if they listen to it after Gen Con yeah,
4: it, right? it really <laughs> loses a lot of laughter. Laugh. It, 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 it'll lose a fair amount. I mean, it's only like an hour long, right? So you'll get yeah. it done tomorrow.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think so, but. Uh... I will. I will. One hundred percent. I know. I. I make this promise all the time. But this will be out before Gun, So, uh, you know, the more you say
5: that, the more I'm not believing it's going to be out. Right
9: now. <laughs> I was going to say it's kind of like, <laughs> like. you know him?
4: It's kind of <laughs> like what, what I hear the kid when I hear somebody say, you know, at least it can't get worse. I'm like, yeah. Oh, why would you say that out loud? Like, yeah. no, of let's, course, let's, it can always get worse.
2: Let's put it on the record so I can really dig myself a hole. <laughs>
0: And it was really um, neat to see that the Kickstarter dice was going to be something switched around for uh, missing card desks as well.
4: Dice. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll be rolling that out. It It is uh, it's the things that you just don't know mm-hmm. about when systems are employed. You know, once again, re- remembering that we once again, go the Baltic community. We broke CrowdOx twice during the campaign. And we've kind of broken them again, just trying to figure out how to get the back end data to all work correctly. So it's, we're working on it. Credits will be flowing out. It's just, it's amazing how much we keep breaking systems. And that's because you guys are, you know, yeah. awesome.
0: That's it's good too Oc- then Oc- you're making Oc- leaps and bounds and improving. That's awesome.
4: Yeah.
5: One of the funniest things about CrowdOx is not only do we break them and then break them again and then kind of break them a third time, by the third time, they were just, like, doing the white flag. We No, we can't. Like, we're, we still can't get the data <laughs> for the character card yet. We can't. We just can't get it out
4: exactly of there. Like, exactly. Like, what have you done to us?
2: You guys are just breaking IT spirits, like, all over the place. Barnes & Noble, ab, products.
4: <laughs> absolutely.
2: <laughs> well, it's great. Yeah, we're, uh, I think as, as a community, I can say that we're just, Damn glad to have you guys where you're at right now. Um, with exactly. The mentality Amen. you guys have, thank you. the the outlook you have, and and it's it's rare to have actual nerds that love the game more than the community loves the game in charge. So thank you from all of us. I think
4: you are welcome. <laughs> yes, very much so. Except for Brent,
2: I don't, I don't think <laughs> you really. <laughs> Really cool. I don't think he really does Dang. anything. He just sits there and looks cool in his wolf dragoon yeah, starly he, hat or wolf. He's just wolf. a. Tr-
4: he's just a tracer. Come on, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <A>
2: tracer.
8: <laughs> oh, oh. Yes, fighting words. <laughs> the best part is I get to yeah,
4: I get to talk about that because I like hired Brent, right? like I <laughs> i we' we're, we're, I go down to WizKids a million years ago when I was still the original WizKids. kids. and I'm walking by and at the time I had a total bald he- I you know much better looking total bald head and a big goatee. And I walk by and later Brent tells me he's like suddenly looks up and he's like, did the did the lead cedar anthrax just walk by? <laughs> and he like anthrax
5: when he walked past my desk because like,
4: because i i did he look like an anthrax
5: deal or something with whiz kids i don't know
4: and, and so i they then come over and show me what brent was doing and, and imagine, i'm looking imagine, at him
5: imagine my cubicle where there were easily 40 illustrations across my desk across the walls pinned everything just every surface was covered he comes
4: over So we, well, I'm looking at, I didn't say a word to Brent or anything. And afterwards, I walk over to the art director and, and I'm like, as soon as you're done, he's mine. <laughs> and you know what? And like, what? Coming up on 16, 17 years, something like that? 2004, 2005? Yeah. Oh, it? It's almost 20 years. Man. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So
5: it was so funny, too, because I was, hired for WizKids on a five week contract. And I, I did all my, I did all the work they hired me for in like a week and a half. And then they're like, well, let's just give them all the other stuff. So I like did all the, every other line that they had in development I did in less than another week and a half. So uh, I didn't even make it to three weeks before they said, all right, you're good. We are done. We've, you've completed all the work. You're, you're functionally fired. Yeah. Thank you. We'll walk you out. So I'm walking out with my son to the car not really, there's realizing there was an email in my inbox because he's like, okay Randall, you can have them now. So I get home and I'm feeling all you know, sad and pathetic. And like, hi, my name is Randall Bills. Like, oh there's an email in my box. I believe it's a Andrax.
2: <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, these Andrax want to drop battle so now
4: I gotta go play sound of madness, man.
6: <laughs> oh. That's what I was listening to. It was amazing. Uh,
5: oh.
4: In no, my defense, looked, he had his hair
5: cut and everything. He looked exactly like the lead singer. I, 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 I,
4: I, I did. It was, it was funny. At that moment in time.
0: <laughs> All right, let's move on to uh, shout-outs. Shout-outs. So, leading our guests, Aaron, do you have any shout-outs? Aaron Cahill.
7: No, just a thank you to, to everyone who's, who's coming to the game uh, for the first time, or coming back in a long time, uh, it's a great time to be back. You know, obviously the people have been with us for a while. I appreciate you as well. But to to those who are just starting out or, or just getting back in, you know, it's a great time for it. And we're happy to have you back or have you for the first time.
3: Ray Rastia,
7: shout outs. Um,
3: specifically to some of the other people who uh, were major contributors: um, Schmetzer, Jason. Um, Johannes Heedler, uh, John Helfers, Phil Lee and, uh, and just a general shout out to to all
7: Heath. the fans that Josh. are both Josh's Joshua.
3: right. Jo- Josh Perry and, um, and Josh right. Franklin um, and uh, and all the fans that uh, that keep Battletech going. Brent Evans
0: shout outs Okay, I
5: got some fun shout-outs for you because it, it includes a sneak peek. All right, first off, first shout-out is to Marco Mazzoni, who actually created what is we have decided behind closed doors is going to go down as the single greatest illustration in the history of BattleTech. And for those of you going to Gen Con, you are going to be able to see it in a big, big way. <gasps> <laughs> That's shout-out That's number exciting. one two Elden cowger and anthony scroggins who will both be making attendance at gen con they will both be doing autograph sessions in the booth friday and saturday and beyond that just a shout out to the entire art team that i hope you guys have been happy with the art that has come out because the the artists that we have now on the team it is amazing, all corners of the world, the amount of work these guys are putting in and they just are all workhorses. It is amazing how, uh, even for a couple of them weren't didn't start out as Battletech fans, but man, once we started I started feeding them the background on Battletech, they were hooked. <laughs> so artists like Tan Ho Sim, um, uh, Pablo, uh, we've got South American artists, we've got Asian artists. We've got, you know, Ken Coleman's a huge fan a humorous note about Ken Coleman. Couldn't make Gen Con because he'd already committed to going to another convention in what Ohio?
2: Yeah, he's from Ireland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's flying from Ireland. He's not going to Gen Con. And he's not going to Gen Con. Yeah, he,
5: I'm sorry, I can't go. I'm going to Ohio. I'm like what? <laughs>
4: <I'm> like, what? <laughs> Either yeah, way, he'll be drinking really pints. <laughs> there you go. It comes in pints. It comes in pints. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, Randall
4: Bills, shout-outs. Uh, so uh, they all covered people that I would have, and I was waiting to see who was going to be left. <laughs> uh, certainly, yeah, uh, got to do a Marco one, because I'm not kidding, guys. Wait until you see this. It is just magnificent. But I will say my biggest shout-out has to go to Dak. Yeah. he has. He is just... He does all the graphic design and layout for Battletech and for Leviathans and for all the novels and for a whole pile of other stuff. So he is just on the Battletech side. Now, Matt is fantastic. He does all the Shatter stuff. You know, absolutely brilliant. But I work closest with Dak. And in fact, in this meeting several times... I'm exchanging Skype conversations with him and Bryn about Leviathan's Kickstarter graphics. So even while this is going on, we're working on this on Leviathan's because it's coming next week for Kickstarter. So yeah, he's just a beast that always comes up with amazing looking stuff. And and when you walk into the into a store and you see just a phalanx of amazing force packs and you're smiling, that's all Dak. Dak made all that great looking stuff happen. So just giant shout out to him. Man, Andrew Grawl, shout
0: out.
1: All right. So I'm going to shout out John and Anita, both eyes on the road and stay safe. Uh, I got to get a shout out to Max Prohaska. Um, thoughts and prayers continue to be with you. He uh, recently lost his mother. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Martin Emery uh, for his thoughtful feedback. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, Jim Topa for keeping me straight and attempting to teach me temperance. Um, our esteemed guests and Brent uh, for joining <laughs> us on the 50th episode for Wolf's Radio Podcast. <laughs> uh, my fellow castmates, I said we've had a hell of a ride and I'm looking forward to the future. And to all of our listeners and players, um, without you, we would not have gotten to 50, um, and we would not be having the success that we are with 350, So a big thank you to all of them.
2: Aaron
0: girl shout outs.
2: Um, I've shouted out, uh, three of the four guests already. So I'm going to shout out Randall. Thank you for being on the show tonight. It's been a long one. I know just remember, uh, just like the other three guys, they always have a place here at Wolfnet radio. If they just want to chit chat, talk about BattleTech. So, uh, but I do want to thank Ray. Thank you. Do want to thank Ray and Aaron again for staying up way past their bedtime uh, for doing this. Thank you guys and uh, Brent. You know I love you.
5: <laughs> well, right back at you. So I finally got to use my my. Yeah, there you hey! go. There you oh. go. <laughs> These rolled really well for me this last weekend. Did they? Yeah, good, good. Yeah, finally got together my player group. We haven't played in like th- I've missed like four games in a row because of just the nuance of the convention season, so. Yeah, I finally got to play, and I'm like, I was actually hitting
2: with these dice. It was awesome. Well, at least I hit for somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my shout-outs.
0: Charles Gideon shout-outs.
9: Uh, yeah, so um, we we, we kind of were busy um, during this podcast, so we didn't do a review of the uh, Colorado Premier Open, but um, I just wanted to shout-out everybody who came. Um out for that it was a great event um of course um i I wrote down listeners three times in the show notes i'm not going to say listeners three times though but it really is um the the people who listen and are on the discord and you know our, our patrons the people who throw money at the discord so it runs better for Thursday night fight or tuesday night fights and uh all of all of you uh really make this a lot of fun um i mean granted yeah we'd probably still talk battle tech if nobody was listening but it it means a lot more just knowing that people find us worthy of listening to even if we're just in the background while you paint things that, that's probably the best way to consume our content honestly um <laughs> but uh um, matt e and uh david uh out here in colorado for helping so much with uh the event we had um it, it honestly wouldn't have happened without matt he did all of the work i was literally just a really big person walking around yelling numbers at people so <laughs> you um, had a really good
2: hockey jersey on though
9: i did i i did i i do like that hockey jersey i you i need will be
2: to, we, we need to all get one of those because those things are tight yeah
9: yeah it's i, I, hard. I, I... <laughs> you'll,
2: have to show, you'll have to show the boys after we're done
9: uh yeah um but uh um And then uh, bourbon, always bourbon, Um, just because he's such a good guy. Um, And I'm going to try to stay off my soapbox, but (laughs) there was a moment when I had 15 minutes left of lunch break because the round ran over. And, you know, and when you're trying to keep things in order, you don't, you have to, you know, sacrifice things. Um, But Ben was like, (laughs) let me go grab you a cheeseburger. And I was like, nah, man, I'm good. I'm just going to suck down some more caffeine and keep going. And he's like, no, I'm getting you a cheeseburger. So my dad advice unsolicited is give somebody a cheeseburger. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be a literal cheeseburger. Pay it it for could be a figurative a one, but it could be any, yeah, any, any sort of cheeseburger. But I mean, honestly, with the people we hang out with, you could probably just literally give them a real cheeseburger and it would make their day so much better. So uh, that's my unsolicited dad advice um, and then Topa and Dylan for coming out and playing classic Topa flew all the way out to Colorado just to play Battletech with us um, not really but that's what I tell myself so I'm more important but um, yeah thank you for thank you to everybody and of course thank you to, to the guests for taking so much time and uh, putting up with our shenanigans
3: thank you guys for having us
9: thanks y'all.
0: Appreciate thank you. it. Tommy C Raven Kruger Tommy's still awake
8: yeah i woke up a little bit ago um so i would like to thank uh our uh i guess uh, listen to me not talk and um <laughs> the uh, listeners of course uh so like to uh shout out uh to drew big balls bethards Um, uh, he was gonna do me a solid try to pick up my uh gen con badge uh for me but then he uh found out he, he couldn't make it to Gen Con this year. So I uh what? I'd like to uh give a shout out to BB. Also like to give a big shout out to probably our two biggest playtesters, Sean Goolsby and uh Mario, uh, for all the insights that they have for playing the game and uh helping us make uh three fifty two point one or however it's the second or Second edition. whatever uh, <laughs> become the best that we have so far.
2: Matt,
0: I'll send shout outs to uh, Bushido for some airbrushing tips since we had to do a plethora of what trinary and uh, our esteemed guests for sharing all their uh, knowledge, Easter eggs, and benefits for the for the listeners because uh, they care what you guys are uh, creating inventing and writing uh, to the listeners. Thank you so much for listening to us because if we didn't have any listeners, we wouldn't be talking because this is a lot of fun to do. And um, that's all I got. So if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can reach us at WNRP at or our YouTube page, discord, Patreon, Facebook, Queensboro which is atps colon backslash backslash wolfnetradio.qbstores.com slash
2: home. Andrew, you got your mic unmuted? Yeah. Have a
0: I'm pleasant unmuted. evening okay. and a great tomorrow.
6: <laughs> Wolf.